Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's January 10, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 164. This is No Agenda. Practicing acting normal while on heroin. And coming to you live from the minimum security containment cell Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, San Francisco, California. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And it's foggy here in northern Silicon Valley. Very foggy. Even though it's a spare the air, damn John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Hey, in the morning to you, John. Is it foggy over there? It's a little overcast. I was uh, I was hearing people complain about that spare the air day. What's the deal? We're not allowed to light a fire on uh, on days like this. You're supposed to hold your breath. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're not supposed to light a fire. So if you're freezing your butt off, you can't light a fire. What kind of bull is that? No, they came out. Most of the uh, we had, sometimes during the colder months we have these inversion layers and so when you light a fire the, the the smoke it doesn't dissipate properly and it causes smog supposedly but i think it's exaggerated come a little closer to the mic john it uh it's not sounding quite right yet really how yeah. about this is this better yeah i don't know it's like i don't i don't know what it is I, you know i just don't know it's whenever we do the show and I'm anywhere but here, it sounds great whenever I'm here and and I could probably spit across the river and and hit you Hey, you know, guess what? What? You're not going to be there long. No, no kidding. Did you see the? Um, did you see that Wired article about the bus station? Yeah. Did you see the, the the drawing of this supposed bus station? Yeah, it's like 14 levels, four underground. Uh, the oh, whole and there's a TG. How, where is a French TGV doing in there? That's what I like to know. The what? A French? You mean the high speed rail from France? They had to show the train at the bottom. It looks like a French TGV or a ice <laughs> train from Germany. <laughs> Come where, where are they? I haven't seen one. Yeah. I see a clunker going down to every nine ten in the morning down the track here, hobbling along, wiggling back and forth. The track's bending every which way. I haven't seen any of these things. Come a little closer still. Hug the mic, man. It was, it, if I was any closer, I'd be on the other side of it. Okay. Well, not quite that close. Who knows what that's all about. Anyway, the point is, is the uh, turn me up. Well, it's, it, it, it's not the t- question of turning you up. It's dynamics. So, uh, we have an executive, you, am I good enough to give the executive producer's name out? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Today's executive producer, we have two of them. Oh. Uh, an executive producer and an associate. Uh, the executive producer is Peter White. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, didn't Peter White send us some audio clips today? Did he? Yeah, I think so. Okay, Peter White, nice. Grab his clips because I don't have them. Okay. Uh, $250.05. Wow, nice. And he's in Cambridge. Yes, it is that Peter White, indeed. Indeed. And we have an associate uh, executive producer uh, from the Netherlands. Lo and behold. Sven Middelkoop. Middelkoop. Middelkoop? K-O-O-P is Cope? Yeah, Middelkoop. Okay, middle cope. You, you know, we'd be screwed. And, you know, the only reason that Dutch give us money is because you're the only one that can pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It gives it, it makes in the town. The town is even, you know, is okay. The Delft Gau. What? D e l f g a u w. G a u w. D e l f Delft. 
Delfgau? Ja, Delfgau, it sounds like. G-A-A-U-W. Delfgau. Ja, yeah, that's what I said. Ja, yeah, exactly. Delfgau. <laughs> he says uh, he has a note. He says, well-deserved donation. He's the associate uh, executive producing news on his bio. You'll explain in a minute. He says, well-deserved donation for the funniest mainstream media killers. You should be illegal to listen to while driving. <laughs> cool. He got married in some uh, date. Me, the, the 20107 has to do with his uh, marriage date. Yeah. And, uh, and he... Uh, These are executive producer, and these are two official titles that are legitimate. Yes, uh, they are. Um, well, I mean, I was watching the um, the player last night, which is a great movie. If you've never seen this, this is was that uh, Robert Altman's swan song. Was that the last movie he ever directed? No, I think he directed a couple of films after that. Oh, uh, so yeah, what? That, yeah, this yeah. is a great movie if you're in the business. Exactly, and and I was and I was just kind of you know vibe, and Mickey hadn't seen it yet, which uh, of course is amazing for the business she's in. And uh, when you see this movie, you realize how important all these titles are, and you know, and how bullshit that industry is. And so, if you can actually say, "Excuse me, I was an executive producer on uh, on this project," you know, people take that seriously, uh, particularly in media land. It it can certainly get you gigs, and it can uh, it can further your career and your life experience. Yeah. And so you get the you that and in fact these two guys you know essentially financed today's show. Yeah, there was one other uh, special mention I wanted to make. Um, there's a website worldwarwarehouse.com, and uh, I'm not quite sure what they normally sell on worldwarwarehouse.com. <laughs> I can only guess. Um, but on the homepage, if you go to World War Warhouse, World War Warehouse, World Warhouse, World War Warehouse.com, due to problems with our supplier, the World War Warehouse.com will be down until mid January 2010. In the meantime, please visit a wonderful and educational website that very well might save our nation. Please donate to Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak's podcast, No Agenda, and have a link to noagendashow.com. Which, oh, uh, that's sweet. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. A couple of people pointed that out to me. And again, I can't wait to find out what they actually do sell. Probably implements of mass destruction. Yes. Do you want to yep. hear the, the clip? I just are implements of media destruction. Yes, media, dis, uh, media assassination. Uh, let's listen to... We got lined up today. Well, just quickly then, I want to play the clip that uh, today's executive producer, Peter White, sent in. Because, of course, you know, the exec producer, he gets to determine what's on the show. And he sent in a short clip from the BBC. This is the uh, the local weather douche, as he calls him. And uh, I think that would... Let me just make sure I'm, I'm playing the right clip. <laughs> that, could, that could be really bad if that wasn't the one. Uh, local weather douche. No, maybe it was something else. No, I think he actually sent in the... Uh, hold on, it'll be worth it to find this from him. Mm, was it the weather douche? Yeah, it, no, it was Cambridge. Here it is. Hi, John and Adam. On behalf of all the good energy therapists at Linton Complimentary Health Center in Cambridge, may we all have the good fortune to enjoy hookers and blow in 2010. This is how our executive producers communicate with us. I, I got to tell you, the it's guys. It's all code. Yeah, it's all code. Uh, so a couple of. So, anyway, he was listening to uh, the BBC uh, radio program in our time, uh, in which the host interviewed four Royal Society. Now, do you know what the Royal Society is? 
Yeah, isn't that the kind of the Uber group that, that that dominates the scientific discourse in England? Exactly, and they know better than anybody, of course. You know, and 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 you know, they're the elites, and and they know it all so well. So, because of this interview with uh, Lisa Jardine, who is a, uh, according to our executive producer Peter White, a science pundit and talking head, uh, his arrogance and ignorance were breathtaking. And are the sole reason he uh, jumped on to uh, sponsoring our program and becoming an executive producer. So I'd like to play this short clip of Lisa Jardine. Of course, this is about um, uh, climate change and how stupid we are. How stupid we are not to uh, believe in it. I think that a learned society has to turn its attention to what it has always been best at, namely lobbying for the infrastructure in terms of public education for science. I mean, this is a moment, this is a moment when we learn that 40% of the British public do not believe that climate change is man-made. Now that means they're not properly educated. That means they don't know how to assess the evidence. You think there's no argument at all on the other side? Science is always about probabilities and likelihoods, and it's never about certainties. But you have to educate your public at large to understand how to pursue those arguments. And we have failed miserably in so doing. <laughs> well, she's, she's illogical. Yeah, of course, she's saying no, science is never absolute, but clearly we failed to educate the, the idiot plebes. Yeah, that aren't believing lockstep in climate change. This is a movie is dumb. I was going to play the jingle here. The science is in. Science. <laughs> yeah, but that—that's the attitude. That is the attitude of the elite. That's exactly how they think. Uh, well, she needs more of a, you know, skept education and skepticism. She needs to read Hegel or something. Anyway, so, um, yeah, well, that's interesting. But, you know, I think that the news this week is mostly an extension of what we first picked up on on the last show. Yeah, it is. Which was this rationale promoting waterboarding. Yes, um, now, I have a bunch of clips I want to play. Uh, maybe you should just uh, retrace the tracks for a second there, John, to help everyone understand exactly where this uh, where this topic is coming from, in case there are new listeners, which there always are. We're starting to notice in the media a, a subtle, uh, and sometimes in the case of the clips I have today, not so subtle, promotion of uh, waterboarding uh, as, a, as a commonplace, uh, almost to the point where it's like, we're not doing waterboarding? That's crazy. Because we know it works. Because we know it works. And uh, so I have a bunch of clips of the... And the pro-waterboarders, by the way, should be ashamed of themselves. For one thing, we know that torture doesn't work. And, and if you're going to do... And, and I don't want to sound like a hypocrite here, but if you're going to do torture, I don't think you should be bragging about it. Uh, it just, you know, do it and, you know, get out of town. If you have to, but, it's, but it's not effective. The only thing that tor torture is good for is kind of to scare people, because you don't want to be tortured. And I would like the Spanish Inquisition, let's say, which is what we're talking about here. Uh, but it doesn't work. Everybody's proven that it doesn't work. But it, I think there's a number of sadists in the society who uh, just like the idea of torturing people. You know, I'm surprised they're pulling fingernails off and watching people scream and cry and bleed. Uh, and the fact that people are, and, and it's mostly Republicans, I might add, 
Although, as we no, I disagree. Out, no, I disagree. I, I think there's plenty of Democrats who are talking about this. Well, there's not. As, I still think the Republicans are more, more overt. The Democrats are subtle, and the, the Republicans are extremely overt. Bill O'Reilly being one of them, and others. And I want to play some clips that just indicate this is a short clips of O'Reilly talking about waterboarding with the meme that it's effective. Uh, it's a way we could have got more information from this Nigerian idiot. Now, can I can I just point out for this uh, this uh, crotch bomber? Now, of course, we have pictures of uh, of this young man. He's like a twenty three year old punk. Yeah, he yeah. He, 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 he look. He, you know, he looks like he. I mean, it, literally, he's just a twenty three year old punk. I'm like, this is the guy who did this. Where's his beard? He doesn't. He doesn't look scary enough. Just, well, you know, yeah. Where's his beard? The, the other thing about this kid is that my son was pointing this out to me he says he's in, he says he didn't do it he was like yeah, yeah, saying, he's, he's he, he clopped a, a, a not guilty he said he, he pleaded not guilty and not, but i'm still reading everywhere oh he agreed that he's a part of al-qaeda and that he trained yeah, in yemen how, how does that work and what al-qaeda guy who's ever tried to do anything like this wouldn't bragging about it guys who didn't even do anything where i was i hate the u.s you know down with america and all this kind of stuff this guy's not exhibiting any of those characteristics there's something phony about this whole thing well and i and i'd also and I think it has to do with this waterboarding deal oh interesting how how do you uh, how do you how do you think waterboarding has to do? oh because they basically forced some kind of confession out of him is that what you're saying no, no, it didn't and that's the point they wouldn't listen to these clips and this okay it all becomes it all awesome. becomes clear okay uh torture one i presume yes from o'reilly also we need coerced interrogation to fight terror it, but come on, trying Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and the underwear guy in civilian court is one of the worst political decisions I've ever seen. I can't remain silent on that. Also, we need coerced interrogation to fight terror. Talking about a plea bargain for this Nigerian loon so we can get information is insane. Okay, so that's number one, and he's, here's what he says. Waterboarding is needed to get, but he's, he's, again, we have this contradiction, because the guy's a loon, according to O'Reilly, come on, which O'Reilly says constantly, the guy's a loon, so what kind of information could he possibly have, so why do we want to waterboard him? And meanwhile, he's supposedly going to give up information through a, uh, a plea bargain, and why does it, doesn't any of these people mention that the shoe bomber was tried in civilian courts and never put in Gitmo and waterboarded? Yeah, I, but, I'm, I'm not quite sure. That's a whole different thing that has to do with bringing the uh, the terrorist to trial in civil court okay, in New we're York. Not, we're going to keep staying on this meme. Here's O'Reilly again with another segment. This is a completely different uh, uh, part of the show. It might even be a different show, but play it. We had the right policies. We kept America safe after 9-11. Now they're dismantling it and they're putting everybody in danger. As Karl Rove said, that's the responsible thing to say, is it not? I don't think they're dismantling it. Oh, uh, come, on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. No coerced interrogation. Civilian trials for heinous criminals. Closing Guantanamo Bay. And you're saying they're not dismantling it? Come on, Mr. Barr. Hmm. Okay, so that's Bob Barr. Uh, who's a libertarian, a very famous one, who ran for president. And uh, here's, come on, come on, come on, come on, uh, O'Reilly and his no-spin zone uh, going on again about coerced interrogation, which is, let's face the reality, that's code for, for torture. So O'Reilly's pro-torture. This is, this is something that we should all be so proud of. Play clip three. Here we go. Hey, Sam Wittes and Bill O'Reilly in the Entry Beck and Call segment tonight. The very controversial Glenn Beck is out of the country right now at an undisclosed location. Now, I know where he is, but even if you waterboarded me, I wouldn't say.
Okay. <laughs> then apparently waterboarding doesn't work doesn't by work. O'Reilly's yeah. own admission. Yeah, O'Reilly is tough enough to, to be able to resist waterboarding. <laughs> so I found that to be just kind of interestingly ironic. Okay, so then we move on to other shows. Let's go over to PBS, and we go to the... Uh, to the uh, McLaughlin group and their radio talk show personality who's always trying to you know bump uh, Ann Coulter off her perch uh, Monica Crowley who's a rather kind of a oddly attractive uh, blonde who's a wears too much makeup and is a very knee-jerk uh, right-winger hold on uh, a second I, I, I'm not uh, I'm not remembering what she looks like Monica Crowley yeah. So wait a minute. Is she kind of hot? Oh wait a minute. I see. Let me just check. Let me just get a little Google check so I can. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I know. She. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. Odd, that little odd looking is right. What's her background? Where's she from? Uh, she used to be. She t- takes credit for for being Nixon's foreign policy advisor when he was retired in Capistrano. Uh, which means that she was the hot chick in the Nixon uh, oh, house. Okay, gotcha. Who right. Nixon was probably hoping to uh, get some action with. Uh, that's the only thing I can imagine. <laughs> and then she somehow wormed her way into talk radio. She's got a show that I've got. I've taken some, I was going to do a thing on her some time ago because she is uh, a birther and she's, uh, she's melodramatic. But somehow, again, as the hot chick, she got on the uh, uh, Laughlin group, right. bumping like people who should be on the show. And she is a fast talking blonde in the, in the, in the style of, uh, uh, that Kelly, the, the original one came over 10 years ago. I can't remember her name offhand, but she was a fast talking blonde. And then Coulter's a fast talking blonde. They got these fast talking blondes and she's like, and she, I think she rehearses her bits, but she is, is, Classic in this realm. Uh, again, she's a pro-torture person. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is abhorrent. Play this clip from her. That is escalating the drone attacks in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and now Yemen. I've given him credit for that. But on the other hand, closing Gitmo, shutting down enhanced interrogation techniques like waterboarding, which could have extracted more information out of this Nigerian terrorist, those kinds of mixed signals actually, I think, are undermining the effort. Martin, but he hasn't closed Gitmo. The bizarre thing about this. Okay. So well, this is the fast-talking blonde, and she's, again, a pro-torture, and she throws in that you could have gotten more information from this Nigerian terrorist. The guy is, as you saw, you saw his picture, the guy's an idiot. He's a, he's a 23-year-old punk. I mean, he was in the bathroom, you know, apparently for a long time because he couldn't figure it out, yet he was highly trained. Yeah, I mean the whole thing is just sketchy. <laughs> and and where and where, you know here's what what really bugs me about all this. Where are the interviews with other passengers? How come there is not a single person being interviewed on any of these news channels who was there? No, there is one that that that, that has been brought out on Prison Planet. That one guy uh, who came uh, on with the Alex Jones. And he says, and he has his story of the whole thing includes, you know, the guy taking, and we, we did play the clip of the woman who noticed somebody filming the whole thing. Right. And apparently that filming was taking place even when the guy was. Uh, yeah, but John, know, there were four, there were almost, you know, th- there were 380 yeah, right. passengers on this thing. I mean, there's someone, at least get, look, they, 
I see news media standing outside hotel rooms where they think Tiger Woods might be staying with some hookers. You know, if they're willing to do that, can't they get at least one of the 380 people on the... Just just give me some more stuff. It feels like uh, there's... I mean, are these people being silenced? Uh, was, was there anyone... Was there ever, ever a real plane? I mean, this is weird. No, it is weird. We do. We only have the one guy who has the accounts of the Indians, you know, and the bomb sniffing dog and the FBI taking everybody aside and putting them in a warehouse for four or five hours or so. And, uh, yeah, no, the whole thing, the whole thing is sketchy. Well, it seems it just, to me, it seems to me, um, and this idiot, you could, what, what would be the point of waterboarding him? Well, I think I think there's a move here, John. We know who the guy was, who he is in Yemen. There's no other information to be had from this character. No, I think there's a, there's something different at play here. I think this is an anti-Islamist movement, and uh, everything I'm seeing and hearing on mainstream is pretty much, hey, we've got to get the 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 is the, the, Muslim, the Muslims now. We've got to pay attention. We got to waterboard them. We got to identify them. We got to track them. I'm thinking maybe some. Uh, on their arms that would be a real good idea so we know that they're muslim you know this is this is this is what's happening here <laughs> seriously there was, there was some uh youtube video god i wish i had i i didn't it was so ridiculous but now you bring this up uh, i didn't save it but there was literally you know one of these like what color is the white house or can you name a country uh that uh, uh that's name starts with a u you know and then people don't know it dumb americans on the street and the guy's out there, he's saying, hey, what, what do you think about Muslims? Shouldn't we identify them uh, somehow when they're in America? And all these people are going, yeah, that's a good idea. So how about uh, something on their jacket, like a star or something? Yeah, that's a really good idea. And like, you know, why don't we, uh, maybe we should tattoo a number on their arm. Yeah, you know, I think that would be a pretty good idea. This is how stupid people are. There's no education. People have grown up to be complete morons. And, and they don't understand that we're going through a complete, complete genocidal process like happened 50, 60 years ago. It's the exact same thing. And I believe this is a part of it. I really do. This, this seems like an anti-Muslim movement, if anything. Well, this, this pro-waterboarding stance that these pundits are taking, I find, uh, be, you know, given that... The, you, it may, actually it would make some sense because you're talking about a sadism uh, element that is... Uh, it usually has a racist uh, tinge to it. Uh, I mean, you want to target some group of people and torment them, torture them, kill them, you know, if you can. Um, or at least threaten to kill them. That's, that's effectively what torture is. But now this is still legal, right? I mean, this, is, this has not been outlawed. Uh, this is, uh, waterboarding. Obama banned it. Oh, he did ban it. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't uh, prosecute anyone for doing it or for approving it. Well, there's still, the, if you play another clip I have, there's the laundry list, because if we want to tr slowly transition this discussion into the Obama versus the CIA. Well, I'm not quite ready for that, because I'd like to stick on uh, on the fallout from all of this, because uh, a, lot, a lot of new information has come to light, or it could be disinformation for all I know. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's also some disinformation. When we get to the CIA stuff, I want to talk about the uh, bombing of the agents in Afghanistan. But the, because there's a couple news stories that didn't get much play. And, uh, but I, I just had these clips for the specific purpose of, of pointing out to people, for one thing, that waterboarding is not a joke. 
it was used in during the uh, during the Spanish Inquisition. It was a thing that was used in the Tower of London as a torture. I mean, like the Iron Maiden. Why don't we go back to that while we're at yeah, it? I mean, what's the difference? Well, we might as well. You know, pulling out fingernails isn't it doesn't kill anybody. <clears throat> So uh, let's do that. Or let's drill down a molar like they used to do in the 30s in New York City. There's um, things you can do. I mean, you, does, do these people approve all these things? Does Monica Crowley think it's cool? I mean, maybe she, if she wears all leather and, and has a whip, maybe that would make more maybe, sense. Yeah, maybe she digs it for that. Well, here's uh, so Fox News seems to be promoting a lot of this. Uh, although uh, the, uh, the McLaughlin group is, uh, what is that? PBS. Is that, that's PBS, right? Well, Fox, PBS, it's all the same thing. And uh, here's a, what I love whatever, this. I love the whatever you want to call it. Well, yeah. So there's the uh, there's this, and you hear this on Fox all the time. There's the, uh, the Rasmussen poll, and they've branded this thing like you know it came out of nowhere. It used to be like you had the 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 Time the Time Magazine poll, but now the Rasmussen poll is branded as oh this thing it, it's always right. You know the poll is always the thing that you got to believe in. You, have you noticed that? Yeah, they're p- p- promoting it over uh, you know some of the more established polls that are generally uh, better operated. Yeah, so you this know, is- if people, I know I've been polled a couple of times, as it were, and the uh, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> you and Tiger, you've been polling a lot. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, is there uh, the questions? I have run into polls, pollsters who actually do ask a question in such a way that it's like, you, you know, are you still beating your wife kind of question? Um, it's like pretty amazing to listen to. If you can deconstruct the questions, you can. I, I always like to take these polls because even in the lightweight uh, marketing polls, because to, I try to outguess the pollster and figure out what this poll is actually about. Right. Before you actually get to the point of it. Right. And generally speaking, you can do that. Well, l- l- listen, listen to this example of a recent Rasmussen poll as uh, reported by Fox News. It'll be pretty clear what they're trying to get to with uh, the question itself. Here it comes. Many Republicans have accused President Obama of being soft on terror, particularly because of his opposition to the Bush administration's tough interrogation techniques. Now, a new Rasmussen poll shows that 58% of Americans say that waterboarding should be used to gain information from the man charged with trying to blow up that Northwest flight. Only 30% say it should not. So, did you get the question there? Unbelievable. Yeah, it's sh- many Republicans have accused. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, and so the question literally is: Should water, should waterboarding be? You know, it's not like do you think waterboarding or torture is good or bad? No, it's should waterboarding be used to gain information from attempted bomber? That's the question. Come on. Yeah. That's that's. Boring. What happened to the dialogue about waterboarding early on? Uh, it, even during the Bush administration, the dialogue that that brought out the experts that say torture doesn't work. All of a sudden, that has been taken off the table. Apparently, torture does work. Uh, I mean, that's what we're led to believe now. We're led to believe that torture works and we should be waterboarding everybody. So why don't we, let's just take it to the next level. At some point, where do you draw the line on waterboarding? Are we going to bring it into the municipal police department? Can the New York cops start waterboarding gangsters? Yes, John, that's exactly the point. The point is to get you comfortable with the idea. Every single journalist on the news channel has uh, effectively undergone waterboarding. We saw them all do it. Okay, I'm going to get waterboarded and see what it's like. And, of course, they all live. 
right? And they live to tell the tale. So that's just conditioning your brain for a waterboarding ain't all that bad, you know? So they'll force some answers out of you. You're not going to die. Of course, people do die after being waterboarded. I mean, that's that's pretty well documented. It, it does go wrong because you're simulating drowning by actually drowning someone. That creep Crowley also brought up the... Uh, the Let's point. waterboard whore, her. Oops, sorry. Freudian slip. We should waterboard Crowley. That's a good idea. Let's waterboard them all. Let's wa- let's let's. We should actually waterboard O'Reilly. That would be cool. It would be, and because he won't give up the information, he won't tell us where. <laughs> no, Beck he is. won't. You you he can, <laughs> we can get where Beck is from O'Reilly. Be, yeah, you you waterboard Bill O'Reilly. He'll be like he, he's he, he's in uh, in Mexico. He's in Mexico, and he and he has a rubber ball in his mouth. I'm telling. He'll tell you anything he wants to. <laughs> anything you want to hear the dialogue about the ineffectiveness of this which has been well documented this is not like oh you know liberal mentality it's been well documented that's ineffective all it is is sadistic torture for the benefit of the sadists and yeah it probably does scare a few people off and i'm sure some people who are just going to spill the beans anyway you know but but again why don't we take it to the municipal level let the new york city police because it's not a big deal let them use that and then why don't we go to the next step what's after waterboarding that you know uh, some electrodes to the nuts yeah electrodes to your testicles absolutely that'll get people to talk and it doesn't kill them yeah well i i I think you're right john there there's i uh, we're always looking for an agenda behind uh these memes that are being put out there and this is a big one because that's all you hear about it's moved because of course we all got bored of the and we had to move away from uh scanning us naked which uh, you remember, I told you um, earlier in the week. I said, "Hey, if we if you reverse that image, I did it actually. I, I we have a, a blog posting of it, and the, and the blogger put this. He says it may be a fake. I had to take that off because it's not a fake. I myself did what you suggested. I yeah. took a couple yeah. of those images. Hit all you do is you, you hit inverse right. on Photoshop." And boom, there's a picture of the person. You can clearly see her face. You can see her nipples, everything. She's naked. And she, I think, doesn't she have a nipple ring in that one picture? I didn't. Yeah, she certainly it. has a, a belly button piercing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and this is the big joke is like just show people some, some images that are clearly photoshopped. It's, it's a Photoshop filter to reverse the image. No big deal. Anyone can take that image and you can put it into Photoshop, reverse it, and then you see the, the person fully well naked. And yeah, you see their face, and they, they, you could recognize them on the street. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that, that is really bothering me about all this, and I, I went to the TSA website, and actually one of our uh, listener producers did some work on this as well. Alex, uh, I'm sorry, not Alex. Um, I think it was, uh, was it uh, Bite Law? Yeah. Bite Law did this whole, he did a whole red line version of the... Uh, the Rapiscan website, or, uh, or was it the Rapiscan? Yeah, rapiscansystems.com. And they've changed a whole bunch of things in their FAQs about how these things work. And what's really uh, bothering me is the health concern regarding this millimeter wave technology. Because any, let's face it, any, you know, how many stories have we had to hear about uh, cell phones giving you brain cancer, but no, it's okay. Just, just nothing to see here. Just move right along through the uh, through the scan system. So I go to the uh, the TSA website, and I did notice something uh, interesting. Which uh, now Mickey's traveling tomorrow. She's going to Los Angeles, and she's printed this out, and she's taking it with her because I said, you know, there are actual uh, uh, well reports. Uh, let's say there is some investigation being done. Uh, about how these full body scanners may actually do damage to your DNA. 
Have you read anything about this, John? No, I haven't. I've, but there's a lot of inter- there's there's a there's a cataracts thing that can happen. Uh huh. That's been pretty well documented uh, because of the soft tissue thing. And uh, uh, I haven't. I, there's been some some other cancerous mentions here and there. They are looking into it, but obviously it hasn't been very fully studied. Well, no. So uh, government directives are now mandating full body scanning. So that's tetrahertz, millimeter wave. It's, I believe in the tetrahertz spectrum. So you have megahertz, gigahertz, wait, kilohertz, megahertz, gigahertz, tetrahertz. I think it's terahertz. Oh, I'm sorry, terahertz. You are right. So terahertz waves penetrate non-conducting material like clothing, but they do deposit energy in the skin. So now researchers at the Center for Nonlinear Studies at Los Alamos National Laboratory have shown that terahertz radiation may be able to do some serious damage to your DNA uh, that when it encounters this stuff bouncing all over your body. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, we just don't know. You know, I think it's, we can't be too cavalier about, yeah, go ahead and scan me. And so I go to the TSA website and then they talk about this National Standards Institute um, let me see, which one is it? And this was really bothersome because uh, they say, oh, we're in full compliance with uh, an- well, the a- ANSI. So that's American, uh, is that American? Yeah, American National Standards Institute. And it's like 43.7. And you can't find this thing anywhere. You cannot find a copy of it. You have to buy a copy if 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 you want to know what's in it. And... Um, and all the stuff that I can find about it is for the safety of the operator of the system, not for the people who are being scanned, but is it dangerous for a TSA agent who is operating this? Well, you know, well, we have to check this thing and make sure and you have to switch out people often enough. Like, there's nothing about the passengers. So anyway, uh, in the show notes at noagendashow.com, um, on the TSA website, there is a heading under this imaging technology that says, What are my options? And it says right there in bold letters, these technology are optional for all passengers. Optional. Passengers who do not wish to utilize this screening receive an equal level of screening and undergo a pat-down procedure. So um, I said to Mickey, I said, you know, dude, I, I don't know if this is good or bad, you know, for, for your health, but I, I don't think it is. You know, uh, what, what, uh, what hurts, what, what frequency are x-rays at, John? Well, x-rays are totally different. For one thing, it's the ionizing radiation. It's got nothing to do with it. Okay. All right. It has nothing to do with it. However, uh, I just don't know. So maybe you shouldn't do that. And why don't you show them this letter and say, I'd like an optional uh, procedure. I don't, I don't want to go through your thing. Well, with the, with the device they have at SFO, uh, 90% of the time you're going to get a pat-down even if you use a device. So just go for the pat-down because yeah. for one thing, hey, you know, it's like a massage. Think of it that way. And, and, I, th- and I think that uh, if you want to really uh, stop this lunacy, everyone should go for a pat-down and clog up the lines and screw up the system. That's the obvious uh, civil disobedience uh, that we have to – Either there's two ways to do it. Either we all go to the airport naked, which would be kind of cool. Just, you know, just all go naked. Might well, that's as well. what they want. Yeah, well, yeah, but I th- if, we, if we jump ahead of the game, then they'll be kind of freaked out by it. Um, so either do that or just everyone say, excuse me, I want a pat down. And by the way, I want a private one. Yeah, there's signs all over the, the, the waiting line there for the checkpoint that say if you want a private uh, screening, you can request one. Everyone should just request one. Make those, make those, those guys work. Make them work for a living. None of this scanning stuff. It's just, it's, I, I do not like it. 
And they should, you know, where is the questioning about this? There's no questioning. None. And this yeah, no- the media is not saying it. They're not talking about it. I mean, the only thing that came up is when somebody creatively came up with the kitty porn angle, the media picked up on that because it is actually kind of an interesting angle. But the whole thing is porn. Yeah, and normally I'm not against that. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, but you like your girlfriend being, you know, with her arms in some unattractive poses, looks like a, it's just pathetic. Yeah, the no, it is. The whole thing is ridiculous, and it, what good does it do? I mean, that's the other thing, is what are they, oh, they find, with the, with the phony person, they found a gun. Like, you wouldn't have found that through the metal detector? Yeah, no, that's, that's nuts. I mean, give me a break on the gun. Well, so, uh, for, interesting Forbes magazine uh, article. Uh, that essentially says, you know, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if you want to hide, and this is only three ounces, right? It was like, uh, what was it, 80, 80 grams or something? Of uh, I don't know. I think it was, yeah, 80 grams. Yeah, it's, it's like three, four ounces. It's, it's, not, it's not a lot. I mean, you can hide that in many places that even the backscatter won't see it. Um, and uh, so now uh, in Forbes... They're talking about mind reading systems. To uh, yeah, no, this is uh, from WeCU Technologies, Israeli-based uh, company. I might add. Um, and here it is. The logic is people can't help reacting, even if only subtly, to familiar images that suddenly appear in unfamiliar places. If you strolled through an airport and saw a picture of your mother, you couldn't help but respond. So this WeCU systems. Is using uh, mind. I mean, this is essentially Minority Report. You know, the whole the whole idea here is, uh, you know, we can uh, actually. I think. Uh, I wonder if I, I thought I had some audio of this thing, of this guy talking. But they're saying, you know, it's all right because this is the way to do it. You know, you you need to know what people are thinking. We can even stop a crime before it happens, just as people are thinking of it. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. I mean, that's Minority Report. That's uh, that's nineteen eighty four. Yeah, it's 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 pre crime. You know, so how long before they're pounding on your door saying, oh, you know, we uh, we believe that you're thinking about uh, committing a crime, so you're arrested. This is nuts. By the way, it's all Israeli firms who run most of the security around the world. Yeah. And uh, so there's a lot of heat on uh, on uh, ICTS, who uh, I, guess, I guess they run most of the, the security firms. So there's, you know, there's a lot of heat on that. I mean, the whole thing is just... It's yeah, big. they pushed themselves into the forefront of being the big experts. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, you you you, you know, it's all the, it is security theater. There's no amount of body scans or or even brain scans. There's no amount that is actually going to deter anyone from doing anything. And it's kind of like the the emperor has no clothes. You know, it's it's the it's the Wizard of Oz. We're revealing this, and people are catching on, saying, "Wait a minute." This is ridiculous. In fact, uh, the TSA even has a new uh, PSA to talk about their prowess. We're the Transportation Security Administration. We're working hard to ensure that you enjoy a secure flight. And while we cannot apprehend every terrorist, you can count on us to do what we are trained to do whenever there's a security breach. Overreact to tiny threats. When a man walked the wrong way through a gate at Newark Airport, we closed the terminal for six hours. When a passenger in Bakersfield, California, packed honey in his luggage, we shut the whole airport down. And when a toddler in New Orleans tried to take a Christmas present on board, we confiscated it. 
Sorry, Junior. We're not taking any chances. No threat is too big for us to ignore, and no threat is too small for us to make your travel experience as miserable as possible. Overreact to small threats, ignore the big ones. That's what we do, and we do it better than anyone. Quite sure, put that together, but I thought it was pretty. Funny. Well, I like the honesty. Of the <laughs> Do we don't uh, have any credits for that. We don't, you can't from doing that. No, no, it, it, it's not one of our. Someone sent it to me, but uh, no, it's, we, we don't know. Produced no, it. No, no, our producers send in stuff like this. This morning, waking up is fluoride in my cup. <laughs> That's what our producers send in. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so j- just in line with uh, with all of this. Boy, John, you're you're bringing a lot of noise with you today. I'm not quite sure yeah, what that sorry. is. No, it's all right. I'll, I'll put the gate on you a little bit higher there. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Much better. Thank you. Um, so I was going to say, um, based upon our last conversation where we had quite a back and forth about uh, heroin users, and if you can actually tell if someone's on heroin or not, and uh, boy, we got we got a lot of uh, a lot of very interesting comments, a lot of interesting emails. Um, uh, got uh, what was this? Uh, one from a producer who works at a hospital. Uh, here's a uh, Adam was a producer of the show who works at a, a rehab detox psych hospital. We see a lot of heroin addicts who are functioning in uh, professions and jobs that make you say what the hell, but eventually they end up end up dead or in rehab or fired at some point. Uh, take into account the uh, LAX TSA agent who was got off work was running around the terminal shouting, uh, "I am God, <laughs> I am in control, I rule the world." And then that they fired a couple of these TSA agents because there was video showed up of them doing drugs at a, a at some party after work. Now I understand, John. I have to succumb to your point. You are right. Uh, people can function normally on heroin, and most of them are TSA agents. <laughs> They're all on heroin. And, and but, but look at the look at the behavior. There was a video. That I put it in the show notes. It's um, uh, Las Vegas. Uh, people who live in Las Vegas and they're on heroin. And this guy goes and interviews them, and they're acting just like TSA agents. I'm not kidding you, just like TSA. And it would make so much sense. What else do we need all that heroin for? We need that heroin to supply the TSA agents. Hey, if you were a TSA agent, you'd want to be strung out on heroin too. Totally, totally. It's a it's a crappy job. Yeah, it's worse than McDonald's. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't ask if you want fries with that after they check your ID. <laughs> Let me touch your crotch. Mm, you want fries with that, sucker? You want fries with a hot dog? So, um, all right, another angle to all of this, which of course is quite sad, is that now uh, the war on terror has expanded into Yemen, and uh, we don't even know exactly what's going on or how many troops are there or CIA agents, and this will lead right into your laundry list in a moment, John. Uh, Alex did... Uh, Alex, our, our our Russian producer who lives in the UK, did send me some information on uh, the drilling techniques that uh, we've kind of overlooked. And you actually, me- I went back and I listened to the last show, and you actually mentioned this very briefly. You said, you know, I don't know if they're trying to drill into that Saudi oil next door. Well, lo and behold, this uh, new technique, which I guess has been out for a little while, horizontal drilling, 
You can actually drill for oil and go under buildings, roads, other surface obstructions, active sites where surface operations, precluding drilling equipment, airports, highways. You can, you can go for miles and miles uh, under hills, you name it. So, yeah, it would make total sense that they've plopped themselves down right there in Yemen and are drilling into the Saudi oil fields. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a really good idea. Sounds like a good idea to me. But meanwhile, we got to come up with some phony baloney reason to be there and set up a base. Yeah. Which is what we're doing. So what have we actually learned from all of this? <laughs> well, on our show, we've learned that waterboarding is an effective way to get information from people. Yeah. Well, maybe that's how we should confirm people. This is a good idea. We should, if we, when we do Senate confirmations, let's waterboard these fuckers. Yeah. That's a thought. Yeah, that yeah. way, they had anything going on. Yeah, we, then we'd really know. Yeah, you could find out if they're gay. Yeah, are you gay? No, here, drink. What? <laughs> Timmy Geithner, are you stealing money? That's how we should. And you know what? I'm all for it. I have now become a proponent of waterboarding under the one condition that we waterboard. Uh, candidates, uh, yes, all all elected re- representatives, and our president, and the Supreme Court judges. Waterboard them all. It, it works, John. We know it works. It works. So, if, so why go through hours and hours of testimony? Why even bother? Just waterboard them. You, it works. You'll get the answers. I think. I think this is an important discovery, and I'm going to uh, make T-shirts. <laughs> waterboard your congressman. Yeah, if you a, want to know the truth, one. I think we could sell a few of those. Yeah. So what? So on to the next topic: yes. CIA versus Obama. Yes. Which is uh, wow. There's a lot going on in the CIA wars. Well, first of all, let me read it or, or read from an article that uh, you know that that CIA uh, attack. It, the, the one article that didn't get a lot of play. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, it was uh, apparently the Turks had. Uh, found the wife of the bomber who killed the seven CIA agents. Mm-hmm. And there's no evidence in any of this that he was a uh, double agent or that he was even in the room with those guys. Really? He, he was like, uh, let me go and look at this. Uh, the wife of bomber, who I couldn't remember, Al Balawi, said in an interview so that the hate, he basically was, the guy was just hated the U.S. He... Uh, he drove in, he, apparently he was a regular on the base, and he drove in, he didn't, it wasn't a suicide bomber in the fact that he had stuff wrapped around him, he had a car full of explosives, and he parked it next to the building, and then blew the car up, and it's in the standard fashion where you, you know, you have... Oh, this, this is a whole new version of the story, I thought it was just strapped to his body, you know, he had a whole car filled with this stuff? Yeah, he blew up the whole building completely. He says a federal law enforcement official said the bomber entered the base by car and detonated a powerful explosion just outside the base's gym where CIA operatives and others had gathered. Uh, it says it's unclear where the explosives were hidden, but it, it was a significant blast and it sounded to me more like a car bomb. Uh, and it says now they had the, you know, they couldn't tell you this and that and the other thing. But the guy with Jordan intelligence officials have said that they believe the devout 32 year old doctor. Uh, yeah. was uh, persuaded to support U.S. efforts against al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. They said Balawi was recruited to help capture or kill 
Ayman El Zarari, a doctor from Egypt who is Bin Laden's right hand man, according to counterterrorism's official based on the Middle East, blah blah blah. And Bayrock, the woman, his wife, denied that her husband had been recruited to work for the CIA. He was a guy. He was just one of the locals or a guy from. So how did he get on the base? I don't understand. I just, this, my head hurts from all this. I don't get it anymore. It's on the base. It's like he goes in and out and in and out all the time. They don't apparently check everybody all the time. They go in and out a lot. I don't know. Hmm. I have no idea how he got on the base so easily. Apparently, they, they just waved him through, I guess. Uh, I have no idea concept. Maybe he had the stuff under the seats, and he they, maybe you know, like during the the nine eleven era, if you went to Las Vegas or any place where there's a big parking lot, they'd they'd always make you open your trunk. There'd be a guy, you know, some bruiser out front of the place saying, "Open your trunk, open your trunk." They look in there and they don't don't see a shitload of bombs, and they wave you through. You know, they don't go do a thorough inspection. No, so no, you no, it's have, more it's more security theater. And if it's security theater, and if this guy had been was, was a doctor working on the base, in and out, and in and out, who apparently had a grudge against, you know, you just got sick of it, uh, going in and out, in and out, he would have gone in and out and in and out so many times that he would have known the process. This is a problem that you have with people that are that are regulars. He would have known everything that they do every time, and he he said, well, gee, every day day I come in here, I'm just this is by the way, I'm just supposing. He goes in, they say, open the trunk, opens the trunk, boom. And then he notices that the all, that's all they do is they just want to look in the trunk and they, they know who he is and they see him day after day, week after week, and in they go, but they still look at the trunk. He says, okay, well, I can just load up the back seat with bombs, you know, or a big bomb or wrap one around me or whatever, and uh, just load up the car, but the trunk is empty. He rolls in, parks it next to the gym, and blows the gym up. This, is very, this sounds very much like uh, the same type of security uh, that happened over the weekend, a man acting as a U.S. Secret Service agent, so not just CIA, but a Secret Service agent, breezed through security by flashing a badge and then went up to the desk and said, okay, I need to meet uh, Secretary uh, Kathleen Sebelius. He flashed a fake badge and motioned to the side of his body as if he had concealed a weapon in his waistband, and they let him through. How crazy is that? At the fe- yeah, this, is a, really. uh, this is a federal building. That's your yeah. That's your that's your security right there, and yeah. uh, and they did catch him because uh, someone heard his voice, and this guy apparently had been calling up a lot and harassing and saying he wanted to speak to Sibelius. Uh, so he recognized him from his voice, which I find interesting. Yeah, I find that sketchy. Yeah, but uh, well, this is from uh, from NBC, so. Uh, I presume so sketchy. That, yeah, so, so, so you can't believe crap. <laughs> but anyway, the story about the bombing there was, you know, it was a, it was a make good bombing because they'd killed some kids or some other thing, which it seems like another bogus story. Right, this is the, 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 just yeah. crap. You know, even this thing, you know, we don't know anything. I mean, all we know is that somebody finally got a hold of the guy's wife and she was bitching about the whole thing being, you know, bogus. He was just a pissed off guy. He was a loose cannon. He was a guy who was getting annoyed by the uh, what was going on, and so he decided to blow himself and his car up. Uh, well, the, the, the other, angry. Yeah, the other reports that uh, that I've been reading is that this is actually the uh, this is the FOB, the Ford Operating Base, where they control the drones from, and that this was a main reason for this particular uh, operation to be targeted is because you know, hey, you know, these are the people who are controlling, who are you know, controlling I think maybe the, the drones machine. take off from there, but the drones are. Com- uh, at least as far as I know, are controlled uh, out of Las Vegas. Really? 
Yeah, there's a special that was done. They have a whole bunch of these. They have a whole Air Force base of drone pilots that uh, huh. yeah, cool. That work out of trailers, and they, you know, they had them all down there flying these things. Oh, John! Oh my goodness! Hold on! Breaking news! And now back to real news. Now confirmed after what I mentioned to you three days ago. More proof that we're on top of the news and ahead of the times. Jay Leno now confirmed, canceled. Yeah. Didn't I tell you that on Thursday? I thought I told you. Oh, you, you don't want me to come over there, John, and hit you in the mouth. You really got to stop. I had predicted Lena was, was going to be a flop from the beginning. Yes, you did. But still, we had the news. Anyway. No, uh, we didn't. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is getting, it's, actually now it's getting even more interesting, if we're going to talk about this, because uh, they want to push him back to the 1130 and then bump Conan into the into the death hour, the death slot, the death panel slot, the death panel <laughs> slot at twelve, which is the Jimmy Kimmel slot. And you know, by then you're either watching Letterman or you're doing something else. You know, anyway. But you know, they're doing a poor job with Conan, and uh, so he's eat, eating crap. And then, of course, Leno promised to retire and give Conan that spot, but Leno doesn't seem to really want to retire. And now it's becoming a ridiculous situation. And if anybody thinks that Leno, I don't, I can't believe for a minute after Leno pulled all his stunts with his and blamed it on his manager to get Johnny Carson fired so he can get that spot right. instead of Letterman, who was really the one designated to get it. And bump Letterman out of the way. Uh, if anybody believes that Leno working the ten o'clock spot was a crazy idea by the suits at NBC and not some scheme of Leno's to make even more money, I think you know you might as well buy a bridge in Brooklyn because I'm just not buying that. Now that they're you know they're pulled out all stops and they're uh, uh, actually I got some clips I should have brought I forgot to bring uh, for today's show where you know Leno's now sniping at the company. Oh with, yeah, yeah, with that's the, the old trick. Like right, NBC yeah. stands for uh, uh, never something, never bring contract, never... No, I, can't yeah, I understand what he's doing, yeah. Well, it's all right, because no one's watching anyway. So No, I, we tried watching it the other day, and again, you know, he has these mediocre guests, and because, you know, nobody's going to work that spot, which is the, the thing that the least thing that's talked about the least is the fact that the show has essentially been boycotted by all the famous actors and yeah. actresses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, now, I do want to get back to your CIA laundry list in a second, but just to stay on NBC for one second. Yeah. So I got a whole bunch of emails over the weekend saying, oh, you got to watch this Earth 2100. This is coming on the History Channel. And apparently I had missed it. I, I guess it was on ABC earlier in the year. Um, so now it's on the History Channel. Have you seen this thing, this uh, Earth 2100? No. So, oh, you've got to see it. Um, I've never I, even heard of it. Oh, my goodness. Google it. Earth 2100. So uh, the idea is it follows um, a young girl. Her name is uh, Lynn, Lucy. And she's born in 2009. And then, you know, of course, in 2015. And it's part um, part cartoon, animated, part reality, part, well, a lot of it's fake. Um, it was done in 2009, which is kind of the interesting thing about it. I thought it was brand new. And, uh, you know, it shows all the, th it's basically a, a climate change. We're all going to die. And I mean, literally, I mean, it's, it's, it's like one big scare movie that, that'll freak you out if you're, if you don't know what the hell is going on. You're like, we're all going to die. Uh, but what's interesting is throughout this whole, um, this whole movie, two hours, 
uh, interspersed are interviews with Van Johnson. Of course, this was before he was canned. This was the green, uh, the green czar for Obama. Uh, John, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Podesta? No, Panetta. Well, who's the transition guy for Obama? I'd probably, it could be Podesta. I don't know. Podesta, I think it is. Um, and, you know, there's a whole bunch of sketchy, you know, climatologists, etc. And at the end, the last 20 minutes is all about, well, of course, we all could live if we use energy-efficient light bulbs and windmills. And I'm like, wait a minute. Of course, the History Channel is owned by General Electric. <laughs> it couldn't get any better. And my mouth is just agape. I'm like, I can't believe this propaganda that is being bestowed upon people. We're, and literally, John, we're going to die, all of them. All everyone will die. It, where it's all over, and Monsanto will save us because we need uh, crops that'll be drought resistant. I mean, it, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah, that's the problem with these these major corporations owning uh, media outlets. It, it's really uh, it's a situation that it should be illegal. And then the um, uh, who's our uh, who's our good buddy? Uh, from PBS, which I, I have to say is a, is a pretty damn good show. Uh, Bill Moyer's Journal. So, well, it's uh, a good show if you're a left wing nutcase, but well, yeah. well, in this case, he, he uh, have you seen the most recent one that aired uh, that aired on Friday? No. So on it, he has two journalists from Mother Jones, David Corn and Kevin Drum. And uh, and this is due to the most recent uh, Mother jo- uh, Mother Jones article. Now, Mother Jones is an interesting publication. Could you uh, classify Mother Jones for me? It's a, uh, a kind of like a the, the the modern version of a magazine called Ramparts that used to exist in the '60s. That is a left leaning. Uh, uh, Invest, investigative reporting journal that has a, a strong uh, agenda uh, toward anti-corporate agenda. So the uh, the cover story is too big to jail, which is kind of funny. Um, actually, I, I like that as a meme. So when you watch this interview, and and Bill uh, uh, Bill Moyers is jumping right on the on the bandwagon here, they're essentially exposing that every uh, every single representative who is on any or has been on any type of finance committee the top six all being democrats they you know they received millions and millions of dollars in campaign donations and then they go ahead and they you know they they don't do anything about the derivatives they water it down they go into quite some depth as to exactly how they did it which is quite interesting uh so you know it's like oh well we can't have uh, airlines uh, not being able to hedge on fuel so let's write a law um, that exempts them, but of course, you know, then what it, that exemption for airlines can be used by banks, etc. And, uh, and how Democrats are having closed door meetings with bankers, uh, and then go, go back and take, uh, seven, eight million dollars in campaign donations from the exact same bankers they just had in, in the same city, by the way, in New York. And then, t- you know, two days later, actually. Uh, take donations from the very same people they had uh, closed room door meetings with. It's it's a fan and it's linked in the show notes. It's it's online. It's a three parter. It's really good. And uh, yeah. w- well, you know, a lot of the the most left leaning uh, people out there are essentially wrapped around that you have the Tea Party people on the one hand, pretty much preaching the same thing as the most left wing of the uh, pundits, 
And in that group, by the way, I do not put Rachel uh, Maddow. I do not put Keith Olbermann. Those guys are just stooges for big corporations, too. Yeah, they, they work for GE, <laughs> obviously. And uh, but but you get out there a little further where you get the Bill Moyers, who's a, a you know an old progressive, and the, the Hartman Thom, uh, <laughs> guys like that. Thom. It's just I just find it amusing because when you start pushing over in that direction, you you hear the same arguments you hear from the. Uh, it's just, yeah exactly. Yeah, from uh, Ron Paul. Precisely. Well, I, th- I think what's happened is um, you know. That- those two ends it would ever meet. Although they, it's, they, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, they've created a, a, a an impasse. I mean, it's almost as though somebody said, "What can we do that that will make sure that these two groups never get together? Because if they ever got together, we're we're toast." So what do we do? Well, let's create some and make a big deal out of certain policies about let's see abortion rights that's a good one because they'll never agree on that and let's try some other things what else can we put in there uh into the you know something the religion you know these guys on this one end are, are devout religionists and the other ones are a bunch of atheists and so they'll never get there so let's make it out a big topic of conversation let's bring in a you know george bush as a born again and that'll that'll separate him for decades right well, I, I think there's a couple of interesting moves taking place. And by the way, Bill Moyers does point out in, in, in that entire interview, he says, I, I never thought I'd see the day where Mother Jones agrees and comes to the same conclusions as the Wall Street Journal. So in, in a way, that's exactly what you're saying. And that's exactly what they don't want. And of course, I think on, on one hand, you have, I guess you'd say people on the right who are saying, you know, look, this, this wealth distribution, it's not a good idea. It's destined to fail. And then people on the left who are all for it are saying, hey, wait a minute. We don't actually have any money to, to do this with. So <laughs> I think that everyone's eyes are kind of opening and going, uh, hold on a second. This, we can't actually, we can't actually make this work. Yeah. Well, they got no money. And then, oh. uh, it's all taken by the big corporations. And by the way, here's a question, a rhetorical question I want to ask people out there. And everyone says, oh, you know, ever since the problem began when the corporation was, giving this, was given the status of an individual. You know, the corporation is like a, a virtual it's person. A, a virtual entity, yes. But it's a person. It has, it has a constitutional rights. It yeah. has a, how come a corporation can't be tried for murder? Or, or waterboarded for that reason. Well, it wouldn't do much good to waterboard a, a building, but but there's no reason you can't try a corporate. If you know, if they have the same rights and responsibilities as a citizen, a corporation per se, why can't the corporation be tried for murder? And if found guilty, the entire corporation, including all its employees, would be executed <laughs> live on TV. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, but you know, right. I'm just saying, you know, why don't they, you know, why, why aren't they more, you know, if the corporation's got all these, you know, it's supposed to be a citizen, uh, they're a crappy citizen. They're breaking the law left and right. Why are, they, why are they just being fined? Why aren't they imprisoned? I mean, rare. Once in a while, a CEO goes to jail, but that's usually for securities fraud. It's not for something the corporation did. But you have a corporation that's, that's basically defrauding the public or it's a scam or whatever it is. Why don't the, all the executives of the company get thrown in the slammer? All of them. The well, entire board of directors. So even though... You even do that once or twice, and I'm telling you, things will be straightened out in this country overnight. Yeah. Well, it's also not entirely true because uh, public corporations, even though they have the same rights as an individual, as an entity, they are the only entity allowed to uh, bring money across the border without registering that, which, of course, is how the drug money uh, actually bailed out a lot of 
uh, a lot of our public firms on uh, Wall Street. To well, add- that, that, you know, that exception for corporations should be an exception for everybody. I don't see why you, what difference does it make if I'm wandering around with a pocket full of money? Well, because you could be financing terrorism. That's why. Oh. On that note, uh, the company former known as Bla- formerly known as Blackwater, Z, Z Services, is uh, now in the running for a Pentagon contract potentially worth $1 billion in Afghanistan. A part of the contract, John, providing aviation services. <laughs> I wonder what that might be. Yeah, do you think it's flying drugs out of Afghanistan? Do you think? Could it be? They've been caught with all kinds of other stuff that they were when they were still Blackwater. They had uh, contraband and illegal weapons in uh that they were selling on the side in dog food. Uh, wasn't it that wasn't dog food they were carrying or some crap like that? No, I don't remember. Yeah. And, and, and this is... Uh, it's a never-ending story. It's almost, you know, it's like it's an eye roller whenever their name comes up. It's always some money grab. These guys are, you know, they, they, the head of that thing is just the genius. Uh, meanwhile, I do believe that there's some big changes going on. I think that uh, Timmy Geithner got a virtual uh, two to the head. Uh, little Timmy Geithner, who was our... Uh, Secretary of the Treasury. Uh, if you, I don't know if you've been following it, but uh, you know the information just can't be kept down apparently. But although I think this uh, this was leaked to the press to to basically shoot him virtually. Um, so here's here's how it worked. When uh, AIG was about to go under, and AIG of course was insuring all of these uh, derivatives, all of these swaps, all of these. Uh, uh, derivatives based upon uh, mortgages, just to put it in credit simple default terms. Swaps. Credit default swaps. Uh, so they were insuring that, but they were insuring them naked, so they had nothing to back it up. And this was trillions and trillions of dollars, and I do believe that if AIG had failed, then the banking system would probably have come down overnight. Uh, I don't know if that would have been really bad or, or not, but uh, that's probably what should have happened. Uh, it didn't, and why didn't it? Because the Federal Reserve, through their New York branch, which at the time was being run by, ooh, little Timmy Geithner, uh, he, pay, he paid everybody off, which, of course, went straight to uh, Goldman Sachs and uh, SA, Societe Generale, and all these other banks. He paid them 100 cents on the dollar with money that was printed by the Fed, which, of course, is our money, which we're on the hook for. And what he did was he told the banks, shut up. Don't tell anybody that we're doing this. And that, of course, is the very reason why all these banks, remember that, John? They had to take this money. They brought them all to, to Washington, and uh, you've got to take this bailout money because they had to make them all uh, complicit in the scam. And now it's coming out because they've got emails where the, the, the New York Fed was actually telling, a, a, telling the banks, take this money and shut up about it, and we'll, fi- it, we'll fix it later in a bailout, which they did. And now, of course, oh, Secretary Geithner played no role in these decisions, a Treasury spokeswoman said. Oh, no, no, he didn't. He was not a part of that. He sent no emails. And now it's all coming out. So I, I, I think that these emails were leaked on purpose to get him out because he's, uh, he's clearly a nincompoop, and he's no good, and, he's not, he, he, and he looks weak on television when he's, sitting, when he's stammering through a uh, waterboard him. Let's get to yeah. the let's get, the, <laughs> get is, to the root of it. Yeah, it works. Let's waterboard Timmy Geithner. I see no reason why we shouldn't. I really, no. I'm, I'm onto this, John. I'm, I'm latching onto this. I think this is a very good idea. I think we should waterboard t- potential terrorists. I think we should waterboard civilians. I think we should start though with 
right there on television on C-SPAN. Let's waterboard Timmy Geithner. Let's get and and uh, uh, Greenspan and uh, Paulson. Let's waterboard him. It, it, it'll save so much time. We know it and works, it's, and it's harmless. It's harmless. We know it works, and it's a time saver. I think I think we need to hop to it, waterboard him. Well, we're on the uh, uh, nothing to see here. Uh, the real news. Uh, I was I ran into this article and I bought this. I've, I've heard about this guy. You've heard of Ro- Roman Abramovich, right? The rich, rich Russian guy who owns the world's biggest yacht, the Eclipse, five hundred fifty-seven feet. Yes, it's huge. Wasn't he a uh, part? He, uh, he owns he... Chelsea. He owns the Chelsea. Yeah, soccer che- team. yeah, exactly. He owns the soccer team. And he's, he's won a couple of champions. He throws, but he's losing money on them. But he's got billions, so he doesn't care. And, he's, and these Russians know how to spend money. So here's the deal. You know, we never get invited. I don't get invited to anything. You probably get invited to things once in a while, but we didn't. We missed out on the the, the 2010 party that he threw. Oh no! Yeah, Lindsay Lohan. People were there. <laughs> he was. It was a. It was. Just listen, the big spender Roman orchestrated a five million dollar New Year's Eve party with his girlfriend uh, Dasha Zukova at his ninety million dollar beachside compound, where more than two hundred and fifty guests, not including us, were entertained by Beyonce, Prince, and Gwen Stefani. Each performer paid up to five hundred thousand dollars to sing a song. <laughs> Cool. And then the pre-New Year's party, which was done by uh, uh, the apparently, a, pre- a pre-New Year's party. What is yeah, that? Before, just before his party, by uh, he was given by the art dealer Larry Gagoshin and Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen uh-huh. on Paul's 414-foot yacht. Well, oh, you know, the, the yacht boys all hang out together. You realize yeah, that? And of it's course. the eighth largest. It was the biggest once for like ten minutes, and then the next thing you know. So I'm reading about this character, or this uh, Russian billionaire, and uh, it's he's an interesting guy. But listen to some of the stuff he. I mean, I, like I said, the Russians know how to spend money. Even the Bill Gates wouldn't do this stuff. He owns a private Boeing seven sixty seven. Paul Allen only has a seven fifty seven. By the way, oh how weak! Yes, and uh, it's known as the Bandit due to its cockpit paint details. Usually at Stansted Airport, UK. He also owns three Eurocopter helicopters, mm. all with. Aruba. Well, how many helicopters does one person need? Well, you need one for each foot. Exactly. And then one for your ego. Two, two, not one, but two Maybach 62 limousines <laughs> were customized to be bomb and bulletproof, and they were reported to cost one million pounds, one point two million dollar or one point six million U.S. dollars. He also owns a Ferrari FXX, a two point two million dollar racetrack only car, of which only thirty were built. He owns a Bugatti Veyron, a Maserati MC Corsa, Ferrari three sixty, and a modified Porsche Carrera GT. Now, this is a guy who's. I have to say, this is a rich guy who is living it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. So why weren't we invited to the party? I think, you know, of course, I, we wouldn't have gone. <laughs> yeah, well, you, what are you talking about? Of course we would have gone. <laughs> I, I, I stay home. <laughs> hey, send over, send over the bandit. Pick I us stay- up in the bandit. We'll be there, dude. The bandit landed over here in SFO. We jump in. And, so and hold on a-, a second. Prince was there, you said? This is highly disappointing to me. Yeah. Prince, who who else do I have to ban? The, the, the three that he's got listed here in the uh, gossip is Beyonce, Prince, and Gwen Stefani. Each performer paid upwards of five hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Wow! Hey, 
Shall we talk about the $5 a month we want to get from people? Yeah. So, 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 so $500,000 for a four-minute song. And here we are doing effectively four hours a week for five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the wrong business. We are totally in the wrong business. Even if people send us thousands and thousands of dollars, it's still basically a public service compared to what the, you know, Beyonce got paid at that one gig uh, where she got to sing her songs and then hobnob with a bunch of uh, characters. Who else was there? Do we have any idea who was at the? Uh, uh, a lot of there's not a lot of information about who was at the party, but I I'm under the impression that it wasn't any lightweights. And this was in uh, the United Kingdom? Well, let's see, the party. And, and, and by the way, I have, no, I have nothing against people spending their money on whatever they want to spend it on. I it's really do not care. No, I don't care either. Is it St. Bart's? Oh, St. Bart's. Yeah, nice. Nice. And that's where I guess Paul Allen uh, took his octopus boat <laughs> and parked it. Hey, I, guess, I, yeah, went yeah. Up to, I went up to Bodega Bay. <laughs> awesome i stayed home and fried noodles yeah <laughs> and basted your meat yeah, well, all right so um oh man we're we're over we're over our time uh once again I, I think we should talk about some of the donations we received uh you can tell that we've really been doing some work we've been uh we have been delving into this we are trying to get all the angles and i think so far we've come up the real gem we've come up with is um, we can start a meme. We can start a, a whole new production company, a whole new show uh, called Water, Waterboard This. <laughs> and, waterboard This. And, uh, and I think that uh, we need to enhance the meme of waterboarding works and we need to apply it to many different situations. And hey, you, if, you, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to be afraid of. That's, that's what they've always told me about security. Nothing to, nothing to hide, nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, so get waterboarded, right. naked. Um, and all of, the, all of the topics we discuss, from the heroin to the waterboarding, are all in the show notes at noagendashow.com. And, and by the way, and I say it every week, you do a great job at show notes. You actually have so much material there. There are a cache of information for people digging around in the future. They're going to go back and they're going to find this stuff. And they say, holy mackerel, these guys, they were all over this stuff. Yeah. And there's, a, and I do want to add one little thing. Um, some people have pointed out to me there's this uh, website instapaper.com. Have you uh, are you familiar with no. this, John? Uh-uh. Instapaper.com is very cool. Um, I, I haven't signed up for it yet, but I, I have seen it integrated in a number of different apps. Um, so if you're at a website and you then click, or maybe even it's a bookmarklet, and you click Instapaper and you have an account. It essentially creates, I guess, a PDF of that website and saves it for you, which is a really good service. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to say that what I'm going to look into is if I can create all these show notes in the Instapaper format. So they'll actually, yeah, so they'll be uh, retained. And so years, yeah, permanent when you go back years later and the Ministry of Truth has gotten a hold of everything uh, that you can actually still see the original stories. Uh, so we do we do some actual work for you. We don't take ads. We don't believe in uh, the concept. Uh, by the way, uh, I got a, a note from Mitch, one of our uh, listener producers. Adam, just curious as to the reason why so many commercials from the Ad Council are appearing on the TV networks lately. 
It seems that it's too Smokey the Bear commercials or too doctor commercials about asking questions when you visit the doctor. Also, the Boy Scouts helping the old lady across the zip line. They're always in pairs of two. Could it be that the Obama administration is paying the media for their support of Obama by buying up all the empty ad slots with these ad council commercials? No, Mitch. Uh, let me tell you what's going on. All of the advertising money uh, is also, is, I mean, the bulk of it every year is spent in the fourth quarter. And that, of course, is for the Christmas shopping experience. And uh, in January, the advertising is very, very light. Of course, uh, uh, well, there's something going on. What was it? Oh, yes, uh, the Great Depression. Uh, money is very, very tight right now. That always hits advertising. And these are what are known as PSAs, public service announcements. So most likely you're either looking at your lake, local cable channel or your local over-the-air television station. They still have to fill the entire hour. So instead of giving you... Uh, actual more content and programming, they throw in these free slot, these free ads, which they get from the ad council, which of course is propaganda in many cases, uh, just to fill up the hour so that uh, they don't uh, run under. Um, so yeah, well, the, you have to remember that. Yeah, these are free ads. They, they, they're not providing anybody with any income. They're just basically fillers because these programs are produced with it in mind that they only have to be produced. You only have to produce forty minutes of programming, and the rest is going to be filled up with twenty minutes of ads. So all the TV you watch is generally one minute of advertising and two minutes of content. And so if they all of a sudden don't can't fill those spots, they really can't increase the content because the show is produced. It's not a live broadcast, and so they have to run these stupid ads. And remember that uh, the programming is only there to fill up the space between the commercials. It's not actually to teach you anything. Yeah, well, there's, there's never any value to the programming generally. But a good, a good, uh, a good small format drama, forty minute drama, cop drama, or whatever. Uh, even though it's loaded with propaganda, uh, the poisoning the jury pool, as we've pointed out many a time. Uh, it's still entertaining, so uh, it's, it's fun to watch as long as you watch it with a jaded eye toward the propaganda that's always incorporated. So our executive producer this week, Peter White, who we highly appreciate what he uh, uh, his donation as well as the uh, the nice little uh, Lisa Jardine uh, clip that he sent in. Of course, our associate executive producer Sven Middlecope. and uh, as always, and we have a we- bunch of other uh, producers that that. Contributed, and I'm, let me uh, tell you the ones that, that did between fifty and, uh, and hundred, mostly fifty. Although we have fifty-five, fifty-five from Alan Cleland, who wants us to mention he's from Dundee, and he also has some word to pronounce, which I'm, well, we'll get to maybe. But he wants to mention the Dizzy Drops uh, game at the iPhone for the iPhone. hundred percent of the revenue he makes from it in January and February will go to No Agenda. What's the name of the uh, app again? Dizzy Drops. It's Dizzy I- Drops. Yeah, D-I-Z-Z-Y Drops is an, a- an iPhone game, and he says he'll give us uh, two months of revenue. Also contributing in this uh, uh, category are uh, Steve Fernandez from San Juan, Puerto Rico. I believe he's our first Puerto Rico-based uh, um, listener. Peter Bevan, who is, uh, is from Swansea, Swansea, how you pronounce it? Uh, Swansea? Who- Yes, once he's the Langefell Latch guy. He's given us some more. Um, uh, Robert Alter, who's on the Knights program out of Kansas City. Uh, Ara Durdurian <coughs> from Trabuco Canyon, California, which is interesting. Tracy Lip from Helsinki. KEG from Holly Springs, North Carolina, one of my favorite states. And. Uh, <coughs> 
and congested. Yeah. And John Johnson II, who gave us the money because he loves the Menomina song that we <laughs> that we play. Also giving more is Anthony Mark, who gave us $132.01, uh, which is uh, stands for something, 1321. I can get a shout out. He wants a shout out for his podcast, Disculture.com, D-Y-S-Culture.com, and Love things.com and he says that the Canadian government he's from Hamilton, Ontario, he says the Canadian government is prolonging Parliament to shut down legislation and international criticism uh, during the Olympics Right, we, uh, we highlighted this about a week and a half ago Right uh, and then uh, we have uh, Daniel Harrison from Atlanta, Georgia, who gave us $119 with this comment. Normally about this time of year when I renew the subscription to The Economist, I renew my subscription to The Economist, which is a good magazine. But I'd rather have you guys give you guys the money as you provide a greater service. Their loss is your gain and mine too. Excellent. Well, thank you. And I really appreciate that. And we do read The Economist. Uh, part of our, the money that, uh, that you give us, uh, we spend on bills. And, uh, and I buy The Economist. John, I think you subscribe to it maybe. Um, and when there's something choice in there, we'll bring it to you. So you know what? This only makes your life easier. Yeah, we're 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 a service organization. Simply helpful LLC out of Oakland, California, gave us a hundred. Matthias Merkert uh, in Landau in der Falls, Deutschland, no. uh, <laughs> sent us a note saying Avatar the movie is mind control. Yes, well, thank you, and and, and it's. Adam, Can I just say too. something about that? Because we, you know, I didn't complete my entire thought about that uh, on the last show. So the uh, avatar itself is uh, not mind control. It is the 3D technology that is being used. And, of course, uh, this is all timed out perfectly. Your uh, uh, The first message you receive is to tell everyone how incredibly cool avatar is. But there was a demonstration about 15 years ago in Hollywood. I was not there. I know people who were. And I've been in the, uh, in the theater um, at ICM. Where this, uh, where this demonstration took place and was supposed to be of some new fantastic 3D television technology 15 years ago. And you can Google this and you'll see many reports of it. In fact, I'll put, I'll put a link in the show notes. And so a guy comes out on stage and this is a, a, an old fashioned uh, movie theater where you still actually have a stage. And a guy comes out and he starts talking. He's walking around all over the stage, you know, from left to right. And the, the audience has big Hollywood dignitaries. It's got huge producers. Spielberg was there. It has some government people. And the guy's talking about this. And all of a sudden, he disappears. And then he shows up in the front row. And he was actually the demonstration. It was a complete hologram. No glasses necessary. The guy was in the theater. Everyone believed he was standing there and that he was a real guy setting up the actual 3D presentation. This is the technology that is already available. So I think this whole avatar thing is a red herring. You've got all of these 3D televisions that are coming out, which is purely meant to get kids playing games to submit to mind control. Well, the, there's one interesting aspect of the 3D, especially with the uh, the blinking glasses, which is you can send a message to just one of the eyeballs, which just goes into one hemisphere of the brain that yeah. is different than the other hemisphere of the brain, and one you know is more illogical. Uh, so that's you know I'm not going to say there's you know, I, I personally just think my Avatar was a crummy movie, but uh, mind control is okay with me. I also want to mention the last two people, which is Peter White, of course, our executive producer, and Sven Middlecoop. Middlecoop. 
<clears throat> Sven Middelkope from uh, Holland. And uh, I also got a note from uh, Tracy Lip, who uh, I guess forgot to send in uh, his uh, his note in. I guess it's his. Could be her uh, note in in the PayPal of uh, Tracy sent us fifty one dollars, and that was an increment incremental donation uh, of everyone of do- a, one a dollar for every show that he felt works. So the breakdown is uh, six plus seven plus eight plus nine plus ten plus plus eleven is fifty one since he started with his five dollar donation and he's put himself on his own uh, night layaway program. Uh, so we appreciate that, as we do appreciate all of the $5 donations, because this will be our base, and yeah, yeah. around 2050, it will, we'll, be- <laughs> we will be in business. So let's, <laughs> let's mention that noagendashow.com at dvorak.org slash na and channel com slash na for the donation triggers. In other words, you go to channeldvorak.com slash na and you have your you know, the various ways you can donate or become an executive producer if you want to uh, do it right. And uh, we appreciate all of it. We did get a lot of uh, smaller donations that we always do and we, we actually do appreciate those uh, as much as the big ones. And if you're going to give us a big donation, please consider jumping on board with the $5 a month as well because it, we just really need it. We really do. No ads, no sponsorships, and, uh, you know, just like the book says. By Ayn Rand. Value for value. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, you ruined it for everybody. <laughs> let me talk about uh, weather for a second, John. Well, let me see. There's a couple of things here, since we were talking on real news for a minute. Uh, I wanted to, there's a couple of things. That- and now, back to real news. I, I was, you know, as I was searching around for the actually about the Russian guy because I trying to figure out, you know, where, where, how many degrees of separation we have with him, turn so we can get invited to his party next year. Yeah, I, I, I decided that it's too many. You were never going to get invited to his party. We don't know any of Wait these a minute. people. Does he know Kevin Bacon? You know, I don't know. Kevin Bacon was probably at the party, but he was probably being eaten. So uh, we don't know. <laughs> Which, by, by the way, is my solution for uh, if you watched Earth 2100, and I'm sure it's repeating on uh, on the History Channel. Um, you know, the one thing that's kind of interesting there is because we eat so much meat and all the Chinese and Japanese want to be just like Mike. And so they're all eating meat and we don't have enough, uh, farmland on earth to provide enough Monsanto grown corn to grow enough meat for everybody to eat. Uh, I, I think the only solution is, uh, you know, to overpopulation at the same time is we just have to start eating the Chinese. No, that's an idea. And by the way, have you, have you noticed that, uh, there's lots of phrases for what do you want? I want Chinese food. What do you want? I want Japanese food. What do you want? I want Mexican. Uh, but there's no no one says I want to have American because we're not tasty. I never thought of it that way. Canadian. By the way, I'm not in Canada, but I can assure you that the Canadians are going berserk over this story. <clears throat> Canadian police said Friday that it was wrong. It was wrong for one of their officers to whisk Halle Berry. Her model boyfriend and baby through airport security at Montreal's Trudeau Airport. A constable at the airport decided to let the couple pass along, uh, pass by a long line after a spur-of-the-moment request on Monday by Gabriel Aubrey, a Quebec model who is Barry's boyfriend and the father of her 22-month-old right, daughter. Because they, they could have had uh, PETN in the kids' uh, diapers. 
so everybody's upset about this, we can say. And they, they, Meanwhile, Joan Rivers was actually detained and not let onto a flight because of her questionable passport. <laughs> yeah, she didn't look like the same Joan Rivers, which of course, <laughs> which is, which of course is true. <laughs> which is true. <laughs> I've been on a flight with her, and dude, I've been on a virgin flight. She's quite scary. And she's had too much work done. And I've worked with her, and she's a very nice lady. I mean, a very professional. I've done a couple TV shows with her back in the day, and uh, great to work with. She knows exactly what she's doing. But man, her face is like it's just it's like a Mr. Potato Head project gone wrong. You know, it's, it's just really woo. So yeah, she doesn't look like her passport, but still, yeah, it's, it's you're right. So I have a question. Uh, can you play the clip? Let's see, what's the name of it? Uh, can you play the unruly passenger clip? Yes. Would you like it now? Yeah. Let's go. Several passengers told us a man sitting toward the back of the plane, who appeared to be drunk, started yelling. And he wouldn't calm down. He just kept saying that the, the flight attendant disrespected him because I think somebody was, somebody was sitting next to him and said he downed about five bottles of wine in less than an hour. Passengers say the man then went to the lavatory. We were sitting in the back of the plane, and all of a sudden, he just this man was going in and out of the bathroom, and he was making commotion and causing disruption. The pilot decided to make an emergency landing at the closest airport, the Colorado Springs Municipal Airport, and called law enforcement for help. Two F-16 fighters escorted the plane to a safe landing. <laughs> what are F-16s doing? For one thing, we're out in the middle of Colorado, which, of course, as we, if anyone's <laughs> the show long enough knows, is the center of the new government. Yes. <clears throat> but why? Excuse me, but yeah, would you please clear your throat properly? This is <laughs> bugging me. I, I don't know why I'm so congested today. But anyway, the point is, is that what is the F-16 going to do? Shoot the plane down to protect the passengers from getting blown up? Well, the same thing happened um, with a flight to Hawaii. Um, I'm going to look this up for a second. Uh, the passenger uh, wasn't allowed to put his. Um, his carry-on bag under the seat in front of him in the exit row, which, of course, you know that that is a matter of life and death, and that's why you're not allowed to do that. So he got into a little uh, conversation with the flight attendant. Uh, it was on Hawaiian Airlines. Uh, and then he actually flipped the flight attendant off, which is not normally a good idea because, as you know, they are God along with the TSA. So then, uh, so anyway, uh, the guy calms down. They're flying. And then they hand out the, the passenger um, evaluation forms. And so the, the guy fills in the form uh, with the following. Uh, and this is the comment card, which he then put into an envelope, right? A sealed envelope. And he says, oh, I, I couldn't put my, uh, my carry-on bag underneath the seat in front of me. I thought I was going to die. We're so high up. I thought to myself, I hope we don't crash and burn or land in the ocean, living through it only to be eaten by sharks or worse yet, end up on some place like Gilligan's Island, stranded, worse, eaten by a tribe of... So the guy's just going off, right? He's just really pissed off. So the flight attendant opens his apparently not-so-confidential comment card, shows it to the pilot, he turns the plane around, and they're escorted by F-16s back to Portland. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, when, when, when the, we haven't heard from two Northwest pilots for 45 minutes, there's no scramble, there's no F-16s, there's nothing in the air. But when what are the F-16s going to do? Shoot the plane down to protect it? Yes, of course. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no logical sense. No, of course it makes sense. This is uh, security theater, John. What do you mean? 
You know it makes sense. By the way, do you know what it costs a mint in fuel to fly an F-16? Yeah, it does. I wonder if you get a bill for that later on. Probably. Well, that would at least make some sense. We've got to talk about some real news. Yeah, go ahead. More real news. Because this one here is the most baffling story I've heard all week. Play word, uh, words of the year. Uh, words of the year. Well, technology is all the talk these days, literally. It's the focus of this year's survey on the number one word of the decade. Some of the runners-up include nine... Wait, let me guess. The word of the decade. Yeah. Well, if you uh, want to guess, go ahead. You won't get it. Okay, well, then I won't guess. 11, blog, green, text, war on terror and Wi-Fi. But the winner is Google. The number one word of 2009 was tweet. And the most creative word of 2009 was Dracula sneeze, as in sneezing into your elbow. Have you ever heard that word in your I've life? I've never heard Dracula sneeze, ever. The entire family, my kids, we've surveyed everyone, everyone I know. Nobody has ever heard Dracula sneeze no. So I figure somebody slipped it into this as a hoax. What uh, what, what did this air on? What uh, what station? What, CBS, uh-huh, KPX, yeah. I believe. Yeah, they're idiots. Cool. But anyway, you know what, Dracula? Because when you sneeze in your elbow, it's like you're holding the cape like Dracula. You know, my son finally deconstructed where the word came from. Oh, right. Yeah, like you have a cape in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's bogus. I've never heard this before in my life. I would like if any, if any listeners... Before, like a couple of days ago, have ever heard this word? I want an email because I think it's just somebody dreamed it up and threw it into just. And the fact that the news people reading this stuff don't say, "I never heard of this word." How did this become the word? They don't even question these things. I'm uh, keeping my eye on the chat room. They're about uh, 50 seconds behind. We'll see if they have ever heard of it. But I've never heard of it, and it makes no sense. And it just shows you what kind of crap is out there. Uh, some real news, John, if you don't mind. Uh, but like real, real, real news that uh, is kind of, it's underreported at this point. It has been on the front page of uh, the uh, Wall Street Journal and uh, the only newspaper I read, the Financial Times, which is becoming harder and harder for me. Of course, the labor force shrunk. Uh, we lost 85,000 jobs in uh, December. Uh, more jobs. More jobs. But what is not being reported is the uh, number of bums... Uh, increased. And uh, that actually increased by uh, 661,000 people. What? Who, yeah. More six, bu- 600, we have uh, over a half a million bums? Extra bums. Huh. Uh, we just call them as we see them. These are people who have decided there is no job and are just dropping out. Who knows what actually becomes of them? Uh, they usually wind up taking my $5 donations on the street. Uh, so, uh, uh, 661,000 bums, and the uh, <clears throat> the length of unemployment is uh, an average of 29.1 weeks. That is, uh, what's that, seven months? It's a lot. It is the most on record uh, since records be- uh, were kept in 1948. And, of course, uh, now Nancy Pelosi is uh, talking about, once again, extending the unemployment benefits uh, with another uh, $80 billion taken from the, uh, uh, from the, what does she want to take it from? She want to take it from the uh, the recovery fund. 
Which brings me to another interesting point. What is what is Pelosi's interest in people being unemployed and, and actually promoting it? I mean, this is actually a, a method of that. And here's what I want to mention. Schwarzenegger, the governor in California, I know people overseas don't really care about this sort of detailed uh, um, discussion, but Schwarzenegger, California is broke. It's a bankrupt state. And Schwarzenegger believes, and rightly so, that we... The Californians give an awful lot of money to federal income tax, and we also give a lot to the state. But this, you know, you give the government 100% of the money that they get, obviously. You give them the X amount of money, and they give you a percentage back in terms of highway funds or whatever. Some states get, like, a, a disproportionate amount more than they contribute, like Alabama, for example, some of these southern states. California gets a disproportionate, being the seventh largest economy in the world, supposedly, gets a disproportionate amount of money less. We don't get any money from the government. And now, so Schwarzenegger's asking for a bailout for California. We, just give us our share back so we can you know, try to prop this broke state up. Pelosi is against it. Feinstein is against it. And Boxer is against it. Now, we're talking about these, you know, these these people in Congress who are always giving earmarks to their people and they're stealing money from the general fund so their local people can get some advantage, so their states can get extra money. What is wrong with the, our Californian representatives that don't that would just say, fuck California? What is wrong with these people? I don't know, but... Uh... The governor asked for $7 billion in federal funds to keep the state afloat. And, yeah. I, and I guess we're and not, our, we're and not our getting it. Pelosi and the rest of them and Feinstein and Boxer, the two senators, say, nah, don't do it. We don't want to give California any money at all. I don't know what's up with that, John. I haven't thought that deeply. You I'm seem to be very perturbed about it. Eared. Yeah. Well, I would like to... Uh, mention a couple of uh, other things uh, to take it out of uh, Gitmo Nation West and take it over to uh, Gitmo Nation Europe, where, uh, well, the first thing, of course, is the weather, which uh, is, is wreaking havoc in Europe, according to the London Free Press. Paris, so snow settling near France's Mediterranean shores, German parents battling to buy sleds. British horse races called off over too much ice. And uh, <laughs> uh, British companies being put on rations for their use of gas. I mean, you couldn't think that this whole thing was good for... what? Actually, is there any way for you to look, John, at the futures prices um, of... Uh, they're talking about gas mainly... Um, before this cold snap hit? Was there anyone already thinking this was going to happen? Was there some big action in the futures? Do you have a way to look at that from a financial perspective? Uh, there's ways, but I can't do it right now. Would you mind looking into that for the next show? Because, uh, you know, of course, you know my, my theory that the, uh, the beautiful spiral over Norway was actually uh, um, harp punching a hole in our uh, exosphere and our thermosphere and creating this uh, this incredible cold front. It is uh, they're skating on the canals in Amsterdam. This hasn't happened. I can't remember this happening. It's been so long. But this hasn't happened since the early seventies. I think early seventies last time I can remember that happening. Um, so, so this huge and uh, the BBC, of course, you know when people are saying, hey, well, you know, how how do you how do you justify global warming 
with what's happening right now with these record cold temperatures. The uh, the local weather douche for the BBC had this to say about it. He has a very good analogy, and it makes so much sense, John. Are you ready? Put on your 3D glasses. Mind control coming. I ask you uh, for a very quick answer for a huge question. A lot of people confused about the whole global warming thing, and here we are, and it's freezing cold. And, mm. you know, what, what is, what, is there an easy answer to that one? Uh, well, put it like this. If Manchester United lose three matches on the trot, does it mean to say it's the end of Manchester United? Or do you look at the whole season and go, well, actually, they lost three matches on the trot, but the season overall, they did great. So you have to stand back and look at the big picture. If you just have a look at a little tiny burst of cold, it doesn't mean anything. And in climate, it's not a season, it's years. You need to look at 30 years worth of weather to get, you have to stand back and go, well, where does that fit in? And these things happen from time to time. (laughs) It's like a football match. You know, just because we lose a couple doesn't mean that we won't win the climate change battle in the end. Yeah, well, they have the Mex- they're having another run at it in Mexico shortly, and they're going to have the same geeks there. You know, another one of these meetings, off-site meetings, in some faraway place. Yeah. Uh, although Mexico is not too far for us, but it's not what I would say convenient. Well, they for- already kind of agreed to agree at the uh, at the Copenhagen summit. So I think what's going to happen now, there's not going to be any. Fo- and the more I think about it, the more it makes sense that they set it up this way. So. Uh, they signed an agreement that they will agree on the next things they want to agree upon. So there's going to be no coverage, there'll be no protest, no one's going to be walking around, there's, you know, it's not going to be trumped up, but everyone's going to come together, they'll agree on some shit, and then they'll have, they'll have another step in their erector set. Yep. And then Google so- comes out, and they, uh, they're now an energy company. Surely you knew this, John. Yeah, I've been following this. So, Google watching yeah. your Google's just trying to they're, they're they're pushing it they're pushing their luck here with some of these things. Well, so if I understand it correctly, they now uh, can essentially become the Enron of energy if they like if they want to, all under the guise of yes, we we made a pledge to uh, reach carbon neutrality, uh, and I don't see how they're going to do that. I mean, yeah, good luck with your windmills uh, keeping all that stuff running. Um. But uh, so they want to be able to buy and sell energy wholesale so they can, uh, as they assert, so they can buy um, green energy. Uh, But they don't rule out that they wouldn't be trading energy at some point in the future. And then to hear Eric Schmidt say, well, essentially, you know, the smart grid is, is our business. You know, we we deal with a grid. We deal with a grid where you can connect any device and uh, it's peered and it's sent uh, around the world. And uh, it's exactly what we do. So uh, we should be in that business. Uh, I, I find, uh, that's something we need to keep an eye on, I would say. <laughs> yeah. So I got one of the Google phones, the new Nexus. It's not really the Google phone, but it's... Uh, it's an HTC phone. Right. Uh, I, wanted, I would tell people, unless, until the skins come out for it, I would tell people, and then I realized that when we had uh, Chris DeBona on the Cranky Geek Show, he uh, mentioned that he's, he, he's on his third one. I didn't think too much about that at what the time. Is that, what does that mean exactly? He broke two of them. How did they break? You can't hold on to them. Ah, oh, they're slippery devils. They're extremely slippery. 
And uh, and so, so I mean, I almost broke this one already. But I mean, it's just like it falls out of your hands, and you have to hold it in an awkward way because the screen is so huge and it goes right to the edge, and it doesn't have dual touch. So when you grab the thing, you are actually touching the screen the screen ninety percent of the time. So when you're pushing on the buttons, nothing's going on because you're already shorting. You're, you're it holding, out. Yeah, you're shorting it out. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you yeah. have to hold it in some awkward fashion that is very unsafe for the device to, to actually use it and then it still slips out of your hand. I put some gaffers tape on the thing <laughs> to keep it from slipping and the gaffers the, the surface is so slippery the gaffers tape <laughs> wouldn't stick to it. And gaffers tape sticks, <laughs> sticks to, to anything. You you can fix a broken leg with gaffer tape. Yeah. So really I, that's interesting. Yeah, so, when a skin comes out for yeah, it, well, you, you mean like the rubber enclosures? You don't mean yeah, uh, rubber skin, enclosure yeah, comes rubber out enclosures. for some sort, so it won't be flopping all over the place, which is they're obviously not available yet. But at least I haven't seen any. Uh, then it'll be okay. But I think until then, I would uh, I would wait because you're going to break it. I mean, I don't know how long I've, I had this phone for a few days, and I think it's I, it, at any moment it, I, I can break it. The battery lasts. A little longer than the original G phone. Uh, I was running the thing at full tilt, you know, online and everything. About three and a half hours, it finally gave up. But that was, you know, Wi-Fi running, uh, GPS running, uh, Bluetooth on, everything. So I have, uh, I'm making the subheading for No Agenda iPhone apps, uh, which you can find in the show notes at noagendashow.com. I believe there's an Android app, although I'm not sure if someone uh, has any apps. And if there's a BlackBerry app, even better. Uh, please uh, email me that. And on top, and on top of that, and you pointed this out uh, on an email thread, John. There's a lot of these new devices. Uh, there's a Sony like alarm clock that's uh, that's come out, um, and they are including radio feeds. And as we're now sprucing up the No Agenda stream uh, radio stream, um, please start petitioning these companies to put our stream into their devices. Yes. Uh, that would be a big help for all of us to, uh, to, to get more listeners and to achieve our, uh, our goals for this year. Yes, please do that. And also, if you go on uh, some radio talk show, you do anything, try to plug us. Get a copy of it, and we'll make you a uh, public relations associate for that show. Yes, uh, that week. So you'll get a, 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 a credit, PR, a PR credit, a PR, PR credit. PR if you credit. can get on like Howard Stern or any of these, on, be yeah, I, I would like to be mainstream. I, I'd like just, to be television, just, yeah, the local PBS station. I don't yeah. care what it yeah, is. Exactly. Just get on and plug us. Give us a plug, and maybe some people will, you know, decide to uh, listen in. To wrap things up, I do have a, a list of interesting list of things that men can do to maintain. Uh, and I don't know if the women listeners are going to appreciate this. To maintain an erection? No, to maintain their uh, uh, general um, stereotype oh. of being kind of pigs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I want to discuss how this came about. I was, re- I was researching that Russian guy, and I went to this very interesting website. It's kind of a girly magazine called BettyConfidential.com, and they were running a story on what men, they, they've scanned the men's magazines and found out what men are complaining about, uh, which has got me onto this jag. And she, she, they found a list, for example, most recently, they complained about uh, women use too many, the cell phone too often, they can't make up their minds, they don't fight fair, they get too girly. And the, the number five one, which got me into the whole thing, was uh, we like to um leave the house. And she, the woman wrote this. She says, we're not totally sure why guys are so annoying, but several dudes insisted it is. 
uh, with quotes from these guys. Women like to do stuff like, let's go dancing, let's eat out, let's leave the house. Dave from Los Angeles wines. She uses the word wines, by the way, when it's maybe just statements should be No, no, no. I think it's really whining. I know what that sounds like. Men generally love two things, women and couches. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so and talking about a quote from this one guy says, there's no romantic comedy worth paying full price admission for at the movie theater, he tells Betty. Movie theaters are made specifically to see stuff explode. I, by the way, agreed with that. Now, so I linked to a site that said, here's the things you can do if you're a man uh, to just annoy women to no end. And I thought I should repeat this. Uh, and I know that our female uh, uh, producers probably won't think it's funny. Okay, so now why would you actually want to annoy women? I think it's it's amusing. Okay, it, uh, it, it can be entertaining. Okay, let, 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 me, let me try them out here locally while uh, you mention them, John. Let's uh, let's go with your okay, top ten. Top the, ten ways for men to see macho and annoy women. Top nine ways. Top nine. Be cheap. Forget <laughs> your wallet when you go on a date and always under tip. Okay. <laughs> Don't hold the door for her. Hey, women's lip did away with chivalry. You know, right? I always hold the door for hey, women. Hey, I'm not trying to. You're I'm a just, great I'm just, I am a great guy. Leave gobs of toothpaste or hair in her sink. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's not a good one. Call her in the middle. You know, it's funny, though, because women always squeeze the middle of the tube. And they, you, you know, know does, do your women do that, too? Women, Every, they always, always squeeze the middle of the tube. They can't I've do never, it seen a woman that doesn't do that they do it just to annoy us that's and, one of the yes and, and and they can't put the top on properly they can't put the top on they squeeze in the middle it's just always a, a plug at the end because the top's not on right and they always leave the toilet seat down yeah anyway. and, and uh, exactly and and i my rule is you have to put the toilet seat down and close the lid because then it's equal all right yeah, i agree so the, lid's if, the lid should be closed if everyone's job is to make sure the lid is closed then we're equal and then then no one gets any advantage on the on the toilet seat right call her in the middle of the night and don't apologize the next day okay be late she can stand to wait a little yeah no i, I the don't think like it's that. women are always late right. it's almost impossible to be late i have the exception to the rule man my my woman is always on okay, time okay here we go yeah spend a lot of time with your ex or mention several times how she looks like a cross between Cameron Diaz and Uma Thurman. <laughs> Let me try that. Hey, honey, you look a lot like uh, a cross between no, Carmen. No, not her. It's your ex that oh, looks like. Oh, my ex? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Don't call when you say you will. Why does she take you so literally anyway? <laughs> this is dumb. Blow off her birthday or Valentine's Day because holidays are just a scam created by the greeting card companies. <laughs> Valentine's yep. No, the Valentine's Day, right. That's bad. Spend every evening watching sports on TV, weekends too. Don't give up your golf tea time for any reason, even if she needs a date for a friend's wedding. And finally, when she says, I'm getting fat, respond with, why don't you join my gym? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, in my ever-going co- uh, ongoing collection... And uh, I'm, I think I'm, I will be able to release a CD, maybe by year's end, uh, in the, uh, well, of course, it all started with Nancy Pelosi. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. So we have, what do we have now, seven or eight of these, John? I think we've got, uh, so last week, we or on Thursday, we had uh, Governor Schwarzenegger. And now, from uh, the Netherlands, we have... A new one. Yes, we have a new one. Uh, the word for uh, jobs in Dutch is verk. 
All right, here it comes. Mariette Hammer. Aan het werk kunnen blijven. Dus wij vragen van het kabinet werk, werk, werk. Zorg. There you go. Werk, werk, werk. Now there's a difference. There's a code here because some people say jobs, 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 and then some people say jobs, 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 and jobs. They use either three jobs or four jobs, and I think there's a we're starting to see a trend of who uses the three jobs and who uses the four. Was this a three or a four jobber? That was a three. Let me hear again. Kabinet, werk, werk, werk. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. But she said werk before that, so it was actually four no, altogether. No, it has to be that. It has, it has to, to be, be altogether. Schwarzenegger's was a three. Pelosi's was a four. Right. Well, there has to be some difference in the rank. That, well, I think it may be the political affiliation. Uh, John, I just have a couple things I just want to get out because otherwise I'm going to forget them and I won't do them next week. Uh, Russia has now banned U.S. poultry over our use of chlorine in our poultry. I was not aware that we use chlorine. We spray the birds sometimes with a light chlorine bath because they have, they're so contaminated with uh, salmonella. Yeah, so this is a good idea? You can rinse it off. Yeah, can't you just use water? Oh, no, wait, that's, that's, of course we can't just use water. That has uh, too much uh, fluoride in it. This morning waking up is fluoride in my cup. Hmm. Okay, so uh, so they're right then, or is that just a political move to... Uh, I think it's a political thing. Okay. Um, President Obama enacted his first veto. No way. Yes, he did. But it was a really weird one. And this was over the military uh, spending bill. Um, and I'm very confused by it, John, because there's a couple of different types of vetoes. You have a pocket veto, and then you have a regular uh, veto. Veto, And he used yeah, like... Pocket, uh, pocket vetoes where you just sit, put it in a drawer and you never take action. Well, he released a, um, a memorandum of... What did he call it? Uh, a memorandum of disapproval, and and it was very confusing. So, he, yeah, disapproval. So, the enactment of HR three three two six, Department of Defense Appropriations Act, which was signed into law on December nineteenth, has rendered the enactment of HJ Resolution sixty four, which is the Continuing Appropriations Act, unnecessary. Accordingly, I am withholding my approval from the bill. The pocket veto case, 279 U.S. 655 from 1929, to leave no doubt that the bill is being vetoed as unnecessary legislation. In addition to withholding my signature, I am returning H.J. Resolution 64 to the clerk of the House of Representatives along with this memorandum of disapproval. I'm not quite sure what that means. I don't know. I never heard of a memorandum of disapproval. Uh, so there was an article on the Huffington Post because I googled around to see if I could, if anyone was writing about it, and that confused me even more. Um, uh, Robert J. Spitzer writes in an open letter to the president: "I, along with many other Americans, applaud your willingness to break with bad practices of your predecessors, especially those of your immediate predecessor." Just last week, for example, your executive order and accompanying memorandum to agency has directed the agencies overhaul their documents classification procedures will restore sanity and appropriate sunlight to the mindless overclassification of government documents. On December 30th, however, you mimicked an action of your predecessor that pointlessly reopened a constitutional can of worms by the manner in which you exercised your very first veto of, our, of your presidency. The bill you vetoed, a continuing appropriations bill, was rendered unnecessary because of the enactment of a defense appropriations bill. 
And then he goes in this whole thing that it's like he's like confusing, like he used the uh, pocket veto, but but the regular veto at the same time, and it's like a constitutional trick somehow. And uh, John, I really need your help on this. I, I'd like I, to. Un- you got. You're going to have to call a professor. I have no idea what what this is all about. Oh, then I clearly have the wrong person on the show. Yeah. I have no idea what what this is all about. See, the whole thing seems weird. Well, I, you couldn't find any analysis anywhere. Well, nothing I could understand. Nothing I could understand. No. And I just like to know. So, does that mean that uh, uh, that this, that the money can be spent? Because this has all, all of the stuff that's in here. This is about the. Uh, it sounds as if the, the this bill supersedes some other bill where they're already spending money. And when by vetoing this bill, the other bill is still in play, and that's where all the money is being spent via. Yeah, but in these bills is all the extension of the Patriot Act. Uh, uh, well, there's the, probably something in the bill that he had to – there's probably one minor point in the bill that he had to kill the bill to get rid of that because you can't do line item vetoes. I mean, they just don't let you do that. So he couldn't, and then it, then you're also exposing yourself when you do line item vetoes. This is the reason they don't want to do that because you're going to cross out one item, and it's going to be like, why is he crossing out that? And then they're going to overanalyze it, so that you know, so now it's like, kill the whole bill, send it back to the house, tell them to rewrite it. And what they're going to do is bring back a bill that's going to have everything, but because the, there's probably some secret information in that memo about what he didn't like about the bill that's specific to one issue within the bill. That's so I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't know anything about this. <laughs> Do you care? No, I don't think it's interesting. <laughs> I think it's highly interesting. This is, when someone does them at the end of the year while we're all getting drunk, and it's like something like this. I, I think that's interesting. That's the kind of stuff you got to watch out for. There's always weird crap happening at the very end of the year when no one's looking. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that are happening all the time when no one's looking. In fact, my favorite thing this week was on, I think Hannity had it. He had a clip. Uh, I mean, I wish I dubbed it, but it was on the radio show. He had a clip of every Obama reference to running the, the health care debate on C-SPAN for the final bill. Oh, I, and, actually, I actually have that. I have that clip. You want to hear it, it? Yeah, it goes on and on and on. And then, of course, at the end of the day, Obama says, no, we don't want to run it on C-SPAN when it actually has to, you know, when we're finally wrapping up this deal. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, this is all from when he was a candidate Obama, and it wasn't just like a, a little offhanded thing where like, oh yeah, you know, uh, we will put that on. No, C-span. he harped on it. It was like it was like a huge, huge promise. Uh, give me a second here. It's because I actually have the video of it. You know, Hannity's not he's he's not doing any work. It's other people no, on the internet. It's other people on the internet who are doing all of this work. He's a total. He's just a total, basically, just a talking head. Sorry. Uh, well, that's loading up. I don't know. It's, it, I don't know. For some reason, that's taking. Okay, a we don't need to play. We just, you know, I think m- most of our listeners have probably heard it. But it's like a lot of times. I mean, it wasn't like once or twice or an offhanded remark. It was, you know, pounding. This is when I'm president. I'm going to do this, and I guarantee it's like the getting out of Iraq thing, which I still think is one of our best things. We should run it more often. You know, I can take it to the bank. When I'm president, the first thing I'm going to do is close Gitmo and get out of Iraq. You can take it to the bank. Why don't we? Well, how come we're still in Iraq? Let's get out of Iraq. Yeah, I got it on YouTube. I'll play it from here. This will work. And not negotiating behind closed doors, but bringing all parties together uh, and 
uh, broadcasting those negotiations on C-SPAN so that the American people can see what the choices are. Because part of what we have to do is enlist the American people in this process. I would put my plan forward and I would welcome input and say, here are my goals, reduce costs, increased uh, quality uh, coverage for everybody. If you have better ideas, please present them. But these negotiations will be on C-SPAN. Uh, and so the public will be part of the conversation and will see the choices that are being made. You know, I respect what the Clintons tried to do in 1993 in moving health reform forward. But they made one really big mistake, and that is they took all their people and all their experts into a room and then they, they closed the door. We will work on uh, this process publicly. It'll be on C-SPAN. It will be streaming over the net. We'll have the negotiations televised on C-SPAN so that people can see who is making arguments on behalf of their constituents and who, is make, who are making arguments on behalf of the drug companies or the insurance companies. But here's the thing. We're going to do all these negotiations on C-SPAN. <laughs> so the American people will be able to watch these negotiations. Drug and insurance companies will have a seat at the table. They just won't be able to buy every single chair. And we will have a public... Uh, process for forming this plan. It'll be televised on C-SPAN. I can't guarantee it'll be exciting, so not everybody's going to be watching it. Oh, we would. But it will be transparent and accountable to the American people. To the drug and the insurance companies who are still going to have a lot of power uh, in Washington, and are still going to try to block reforms from, from taking place. And so that's why I've said, for example, that I want the negotiations to be taking place on C-SPAN. So I'll put forward my plan, but what I'll say is, look, if you've got better ideas, I'm happy to listen to them. But all this will be done on C-SPAN, in front of the public. And one of my jobs as the president will be to guide this process so that it's an honest process. <laughs> there you go, on C-SPAN. <clears throat> Unbelievable. So the good news is, and I had a lot of conversations over the weekend with Mickey about this, and I do want to end on a positive note. I really do. Uh, I, even though it pains me. Um, the Tea Party, I think there's something really good going on there. Uh, people who listen to programs like this one, who are uh, aware of what's happening, who are uh, passing that news on, who can, you can go to the show notes at noagendashow.com and you can send these links to your friends. Uh, people who are uh, still kind of slumbering along, playing the 3D Xbox, getting mind-controlled. And uh, and you can jolt them awake because when you see this in main... You know, this this to me was great. And I, I, I don't think many people care. The C-SPAN, what the hell is that? You know, they're not going to give a crap. But there's a lot of this stuff that is in mainstream uh, media reporting that uh, that people say, huh, I didn't know that. So it does get reported. Okay. Um, just, just not always on the front page. And we can really start to change things. And it's apparent to me in the United States, Europe is going to be a little bit more complicated because the, they've moved a little bit further there with the uh, United States of Europe and the European Parliament. Although I do see some, you know, there's some great voices cropping up there. But in the United States, we essentially, I have great hope. We have to kick everybody out. And uh, what what the government knows is that if the people stand up, and say, uh, sorry, this is just not going to go any further. There's way too many people. They, you know, there's no military, no police force, no TSA, no one who can stop us if we just say we're, we're tired of it. We're not going to take it anymore. 
And all you have to do is just get involved in a couple of elections and kick everybody out. It's not going to be that hard. And I have great hope, particularly for the United States. I think that uh, the United States citizens, they're savable. So um, things are happening, and I'm, and I'm happy for it, and I'm, and I'm glad to see that it's moving in, in a good direction. Well, I'm glad you're so up-tempo, upbeat. Are you not? No, of course not. Things aren't moving in a good direction. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> Look at what's happening in Australia. Those poor guys, they're just screwed. Yeah, but there's there's people making yeah. moves. You know, it's like a lost cause up there. I mean, they try, but, you know, they're actually probably better off than we are in some ways. But in other ways, they, you know, they put the clamps down on them at the drop of a hat. It's run by the queen, for God's sake. Well, John, I, I, I think that... Uh, disregard. I'm the buzzkill. <laughs> yes, you are. That's okay. You harsh my mellow, but only a little bit. I can live through it. I hope. NoAgendaShow.com is where you can find all of the links and, of course, links to uh, donate to this program to keep us going. And uh, that is at uh, Dvorak.org slash NA, NoAgendaShow.com, and ChannelDvorak.com slash NA. We appreciate anything you want to give up. If you have no money, a lot of people who listen to the show are out of money and supporting families and are uh, starving. Uh, then just pass it on. Get more people to listen. Right. Coming to you from the Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation, West San Francisco, California, I'm Adam Curry. And from the Buzzkill Bunker here in northern Silicon Valley, where the sun has finally peeked through the fog, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back Thursday morning, 9 a.m., Gitmo Nation, West Time, right here on No Agenda. <laughs>